Well, this will lighten the mood a little. A city councilman in Kentucky will remain in office despite accusations. He made a sexual gesture during a meeting. <laughs> West Buchel Councilman Lloyd Crawford is accused of using his hand and mouth for a gesture. Damn it, Lloyd, that's inappropriate. Oh, Lloyd, how dare you? You know which one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Guys are just goof trooping this whole moment in time. They, they don't know what to do. Can I do this? Wah, 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 wah. No, Lloyd, <laughs> you can't do that. Well, it's... West. Oh, what are you saying? I can't do the <laughs> no. move yes, anymore? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, what the hell has this country come to if I can't do that? <laughs> At a meeting. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Oh, yeah, it is Steeler Friday here on uh, your home of the black and gold DVE. Val's out today. I'll be filling in with your news. Let's take a look at the weather from Dormont Appliance. Currently at different degrees right now at uh, DVE. What was it? So, like degrees. Oh, okay. Man, it's is, hard to tell with that westerly wind. I, I mean, mean, I factor. Whatever we say, you got to factor that in. Yes, I factor. So there's still math you have to do on your end. We can't do it all. Merrill Hodge will call it. Factor back is westerly wind. Now, dang, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> my deer stand. That westerly wind came in. Yeah, knocked my deer cam off. Day four, <laughs> so I was facing the wrong way. Because <laughs> this is camera said it was going one way. Haji thoughts <laughs> factor. It's a wind factor. Dang, a man is in critical. Why don't I just do the whole news as Merrill? A man is in critical condition. No, he's in critical. <laughs> no, that's not good. <laughs> it's gonna that. take a minute. Dang. After falling two stories uh, while on the production of the Mr. Rogers movie, Mount Lebanon, oh, this poor guy, 65-year-old uh, sound mixer, reportedly was on a smoke break when he fell from a balcony. It's unclear oh. if the man had a medical emergency that led to the fall, like maybe he had a heart attack or something. Right, before, right. You know. Police are investigating the accident. Um, well, that's, that's a drag. Yeah, um, that's terrible. A Swiss failed barber. He is charged... This is an unrelated this. story. Unrelated story. A Swiss failed barber is charged with selling crack cocaine cocaine at the barbershop where he worked brian smith is accused of selling the drugs at cut and play on the 7500 block of washington avenue you know that movie like kid and play oh the yeah house party oh yeah i know kid and play it's like a a play on words there it's a a play on kid and play cut cut and play dang police believe smith would go outside (laughs) to sell the drugs between haircuts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you need some crack of cane? Hold on. Let me just give that guy a flat top real quick. I'll be right back out. <laughs> hey, what's up, bro? I need a, a fade and an eight ball. <laughs> Can you hook it up? Dang. Monongahela. <laughs> Monongahela Council is giving its approval to sheets for beer and wine sales. No crack, Brian. There's no crack at that sheets. He's, he's like outside going into a meeting today with a suit and tie, <laughs> hoping to meet with the Sheets people and talk them into, hear me out, beer, <laughs> wine, haircuts, and crack. Uh, the council voted unanimously on Wednesday to allow the transfer of a restaurant liquor license from Burgettstown to the 100 block of East Main Street store. Part of the front of the store will be expanded to allow for a large walk-in cooler. Oh, man. People are going to be getting uh, sheet-faced. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <clears throat> Kanye West has uh, designed his own version of the President Trump iconic Make America 
great again hat. The rapper gave Trump one during their visit in the Oval Office yesterday while the stock market was plummeting and people were dying in a tropical storm in the southern United States. The rapper gave Trump one, and he said later, while speaking at an Apple store in Washington, D.C., it's because he does not believe America has ever really been great. He also gave one to Ivanka Trump during the visit and said, make Earth great again. Oh, that's a nice sentiment, Kanye. Hey, Kanye. hey thanks, Kanye. You fixed it all. He gave one to Jared Kushner that said, travel space again. Oh, man, you're the best, Kanye. West praised Trump and touched on a myriad of topics during the sit-down, including how absolutely bananas bat bleep crazy he is. <laughs> Kanye Claus. A complete un- misunderstanding of the 13th Amendment, sleep disorder, illegal guns, jobs, strong male role models, his own bipolar disorder, which he claimed to take st- he stopped taking medicine for, sleep disorders... Saturday Night Live, and he shared some of his own ideas with the president while the stock market was plummeting to uh, you know another 800 points, uh, and uh, people were dying in a tropical storm. Uh, he brought up uh, uh, the idea of bringing Trump to factories in Chicago, having Apple build Trump an iPlane to replace Air Force One, and having Trump and Colin Kaepernick wear Make America Great Again hats together at next year's Super Bowl. And Kanye, we trust. Everything's going to be fine, folks. They're basically the same person. It was, I watched a little bit of it, and it was like an acid fever dream. He's mentally ill. It was all over the place. He was talking about his illness or whatever it was. He was saying that he had sleep deprivation-induced dementia and not bipolar disorder and that he had been misdiagnosed so that's what was making him act a little wonky. And What's his I, excuse now? I don't know. He has bipolar disorder. I'm going to go with the doctors on this one. Yeah, you know, you can't fight genetics. If something is wrapped up in your DNA code that's been passed down generation upon generation, and you don't use modern medicine to help you, it's, that's not a bold thing you're doing. No, it's not. It's a dumb thing you're doing. And uh, Kanye, not exactly known for doing all the smartest things. (laughs) Uh, Fans of the late Amy Winehouse will soon get to see the late singer as a hologram. Thank God. This stuff's creepy, don't you think? Yes. Unless we can get a hologram to do our show from 6 a.m. to 7, just to give us that extra hour. Then I'm for holograms. That'd be amazing. Make holograms great again. A digitized version of The Late Singer will be heading out on tour next year. Each show will feature remastered versions of some of her biggest hits that will play along with a live band and singers. I have no interest in seeing stuff like this. Well, it's creepy. You better get used to it because I'm assuming that it's going to happen on a grand scale once they can get the cost down. Like once they can make the holograms a little bit more cost efficient because mm-hmm. I think they're astronomical prices now. You're going to see whole tours put together of artists that are no longer with us. It's not right. Well, hopefully Ozzy will be with us for a while. He's canceling the final four shows of his No More Tours to North America track. Doctors say the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee will need more surgery to treat multiple infections in his right hand. How the hell did this happen? 
The four canceled shows. Val was, McGee's? Maybe. Val, Val was talking about this last week, and I thought it was like nothing. The four shows were scheduled in three California cities, Mountain View, Chula Vista, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas. All four shows will be rescheduled in 2019, and tickets will be honored for the rescheduled dates. Remember we were talking about Lindsey Buckingham yesterday? Guess what? Now he's suing Fleetwood Mac. Oh! How about that? Who had that? Lindsey Buckingham is suing Fleetwood Mac over the band's decision to fire him in January. The lawsuit filed Tuesday in Los Angeles alleges breach of fiduciary duty and breach of oral contract, among other charges. The suit also claims Buckingham asked the band to postpone their tour three months so he could play solo shows. He also alleges plans were in place to play 60 shows across North America that would earn each member an estimated 12 to $14 million when he was fired without warning. How about that? What if what if they put together like a festival of all the misfit toys, all the people that have been kicked out of bands? It'd be a pretty good festival. Yeah. Dennis DeYoung, <laughs> Lindsey Buckingham. Well, they let Brian Johnson back in, right? Well, yeah, but he, I, he, that was he wasn't of, really kicked out. He just lost his hearing and they put his bags in his driveway. Yeah, because they're like they told him they were going to do that and he just never heard him. <laughs> it's we did give you a call, Brian. Yeah. I don't think Brian Johnson is actually back in the band. I think he recorded some stuff with them. I don't think he's going to be touring with them. Uh, the Mega Millions jackpot is now the ninth largest jackpot in U.S. history. Officials say tonight's pot has grown to $548 million because nobody has won since July 24th. Players who buy $2 tickets have a long shot at winning, with odds being one in over $302 million to match all six numbers. So good luck. I know what I would do if I won. I'd just buy a bunch of um, cut and plays. Start running cocaine out of them. Start, yeah, that's a smart way to double your money or something. Or maybe you could buy the newest Banksy because the London street artist, who's known for his pranks, is giving his shredded artwork a new name. Have you heard about the shredded artwork? We talked a little bit with uh, Conkle about it the other day. Uh, he put a shredder in the frame of one of his paintings so that it, it, if it ever came up at auction, he could just shred it. Well, it did last week. It went for like over a million dollars. And he pressed the button on his remote control and it shredded half of the painting in front of everybody's eyes. So Banksy is, nobody knows who Banksy is, correct? Nobody knows. So, so he was conceivably at this auction house? Maybe, like but he I, was in the room. Yeah, I mean, I doubt it, but yeah, some or somebody like him was. Um, oh yeah, one of his people. He confirmed, Banksy did through the people at Sotheby's that the person who bought Girl with Balloon, which was the shredded painting, for one point four million dollars last week, they're going ahead with the purchase, and the buyer is not being identified, but they will pay the entire price for the painting. Banksy's authentication body certified the uh, shredded painting and gave it a new title, Love is in the Bin. I bet you in the art world, it will be worth more now. It is worth more now. So it's hard to say what he was doing. Did it backfire on him? Was he trying to make some statement about art and the material wealth that it is surrounded by? Or was he trying to drive up the price of the the painting and you know by doing this stunt well guess what the latter is what ended up coming through so, love is in the bin 
So my my brother went to a coffee shop that he usually goes to the other night, and they had a poetry night. Hmm. And the way my brother feels about poetry, I kind of feel like about art. He said, the reason I don't like it is because I can't tell what's good and what's absolutely horrible. Right. And that's my problem with art. Like, I look at it and I'm like, I, is that good? Like, some, obviously, you, you go and look at some of those yeah. paintings in the museums and you go, okay, that's amazing. Where where it's like Socrates drinking the hemlock and it's this canvas that's 12 feet long. It, that's a that guy is talented but some of the art is so subjective and it's it, it comes with a half hour description of why it's art yeah i mean that's why uh, your boy banksy did that stunt where he was selling his you know priceless pieces out on the street with 25 dollar pieces and people couldn't discern between them yeah it's making a mockery of the whole thing which i enjoy right me too all right Hopefully we make a mockery to Bengals this Sunday as the Steelers get set to take on their division foes for the first time this season. Mike Pursuta coming in next as we get get ready for Bengals weekend. Also, Penn's nice W last night against a beleaguered Los Angeles Golden Knights team and a natural hattie last night from Phil the Thrill, who's just lighting up uh, Subban. Nice guy. Tries hard. Scores hat tricks. <laughs> he did great. Michael, I'll have a full sports report for you. Dave Damashek later on from the NFL Network. Also, Jeff Butch Hobson from Bengals.com in our Know Your Enemy segment. That's all coming up on DVE. DVE Sports. All right, Mike, proceeded with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is out brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast, the Steelers practice participation report looking a whole lot. Today, like it did yesterday, Morgan Burnett, groin, did not practice yesterday. LJ Fort, ankle, did not practice yesterday. And Darius Hayward Bay, ankle, did not practice yesterday. Uh, for the Bengals, uh, not working out. Running back Gio Bernard, tight end Tyler Croft, and center Billy Price. Uh, the Bengals did get uh, guard Clint Bowling, linebacker Preston Brown, defensive end Michael Johnson, and defensive end Carl Lawson. Back to full participation yesterday. Bowling, Brown, and uh, Johnson all start. So Cincinnati uh, getting a little healthier. And Steelers, uh, looks like they're going to be without uh, the man of the hour from last Sunday, LJ Fort. But Vince Williams is back, so he probably would have played anyway. Yeah. As long Hmm. as Vince is playing at a high level, we'll be all right. Although uh, I liked LJ Ford last weekend, though, because he did not miss any assignments. You know, when he gets healthy, I think they got to at least consider that in sub package because he's fast and he seems to know what he's doing out Mm -hmm. there. Steelers uh, getting ready for the Bengals on Sunday in Cincinnati. And the question uh, of the week will cornerback Joe Hayden be assigned to follow wide receiver A.J. Green all over Paul Brown Stadium, similar to the way. Hayden shadowed Atlanta's Julio Jones last week. Keith Butler, the Steelers' defensive coordinator, not tipping his hand just yet. Two of the best guys in the league at what they do. Yeah, it's a challenge for us. If he follows him, we'll see. I ain't going to tell you here. You'll find, have to find out in the game like he does. Oh, wow. All the suspense is killing me. It's got to happen, right? It's a, it's a natural matchup. Hayden's done it before when he was with the Browns. Yeah. 
They're they're going to do that. Be stunned if they don't, and it'd be silly if they don't. Because uh, I know Tyler Boyd's getting a lot of love in Cincinnati, and rightfully so. He's in his third year and is really taking a step. He's playing three downs for the first time, and he's really making a lot of plays for him. Uh, Boyd had two fourth down catches in that game winning drive. Cincinnati pulled off at the end of the Atlanta game, but AJ Green is still the guy. You get you got to stop him first and foremost. Worry about Tyler Boyd after you worry about. A.J. Green. Uh, Butler, much more uh, definitive in discussing how important Hayden is to the Steelers. Much more revealing, I should say. Uh, Joe Hayden cut by the Browns last year, and there were uh, some NFL people that uh, didn't think Joe Hayden was going to ever play to the level he played at earlier in his career, again, when uh, the Browns cut him last year. But uh, the Steelers never doubted Hayden, and they grabbed him quickly. No, Joe has always been a good football player. We warned him when he came out. Uh, Mike uh, really liked him when he came out at the time, and we loved to have him. We didn't have a high enough pick to get him, you know, as is a, a lot. Of, I mean, you damn if you do, damn if you don't in the National Football League. You have a good season, you're not going to have a good draft pick. That's just the way the league is. So, uh, you know, we've had to do with what we had to do with, you know, by going to the playoffs and stuff like that now. We don't want to stop going to the playoffs, so you know we're going to continue to do that, and we got to continue to try to find nuggets. And uh, they wanted to let Joe go, and we were happy to take him. Yeah, uh, we were happy to take him. I still don't understand why they let him go in the first place. You know, after that worked out the way it did last year, I was kind of hoping Carolina would cut Luke Keekley this year, <laughs> but yeah. the Panthers didn't. Just didn't do it. <sighs> Was Joe Hayden on those legendary football, uh, the Florida teams with Tim Tebow and Percy Harvin and Aaron Hernandez and those guys? He was drafted in 2010. So, yes. Yes. And A.J. Green was drafted in 2011. and These guys have been going at it ever since. Until last year when Hayden came here and he only played against the Bengals once last year. Uh, covered Green, I think, about half the time, but didn't... Uh, travel as they say uh last but not least keith butler uh talking about the progress being made by this year's number one pick terrell edmonds butler said that edmonds is really starting to understand the language my natural follow-up question was was he referencing the language employed by the steelers defense <laughs> or butlers <laughs> probably mine more than anything else all the fixings and dead gummits and all that stuff he ain't quite he, he ain't, uh, quite got used to that yet but uh He's he's uh, starting to learn and uh, what we what we're trying to get him done. That's hilarious. How, do you have a dad gummit count? Uh, we are at uh, eleven. Eleven. Have two more yesterday, but one of them was forced. It wasn't natural. I got yeah. You can't. So I'm not counting that in terms of last week. I was convinced Butler came up with three dad gummits, and they're going to win this game. He's He's relaxed. He couldn't be more relaxed. He's just letting the dad gummits flow. He feels great. <laughs> What's Probably. our dad gum account this week? Uh, it was two this week, but one was a direct. How many times do you say uh, dad gummit to the okay. players? Because everybody else is starting to pick up on this. I got gotcha. you. In the media. You can't, you know, it's got to be a free-flowing dad gummit. You can't, I got gotcha. you. You can't. Can't force the dad gummit. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. We'll see. It might have to show up and see who wins uh, on Sunday. I, I like their chances. I'd like another... Another uh, typical Steelers-Bengals game, a couple personal fouls, some cheap stuff. But I think they turned a little bit of a corner last week, the Steelers. I hope so, man. I'm not saying yeah, they're ready to too. beat the Patriots or the Jaguars yet, but I think they can they handle it. They don't have to be. They're 17-3 all-time at Paul Brown Stadium. Ben Roethlisberger almost never loses in the state of Ohio. 
And the Bengals are, you know, I give them credit for winning games at the end and not falling apart the way they usually do. But they're outside of their defensive line and uh, Joe Mixon, the running back in green, I think they're pretty average. And this next month is absolutely crucial. This is AFC North. Yeah. At Cincinnati Sunday, by Cleveland here, and then at Baltimore. And then you'll, you'll, you'll either be in position then or you won't. And if you aren't in position then, you ain't going to get there playing Jacksonville, New Orleans. Right. New England. So, big, games, big games coming I mean, up for the Steelers. Denver, big game for Phil Kessel and the Penguins last night. Kessel with a hat trick. And goaltender Casey DeSmith with 35 saves on 37 shots. Pens get outshot 37 to 22, but they beat the Vegas Golden Knights 4 to 2. They were trying to chase Flurry into the game. Yes, the crowd was <laughs> chanting for Flurry. He sat there on the bench, looked good doing it. Kessel Satrick. Was... He also did an interview with Dan Potash between periods and gave him a nut shot. It was hilarious. He, he did, did the whole an interview with Dan Potash between periods. Yeah. Wow. Hilarious! What? You don't th- you don't think that was good TV? I get. I don't know. I haven't I haven't read or heard much about Flurry since he left. I'm wondering what's up with him. I... Their friend. Why? I don't know why you're angry about Dan Potash talking to his friend Mark Andre Flurry. The Pens fan base loves Mark Andre Flurry. They always will. Get over it. They're not. Up. They're not crying get for over it. it. Yeah. Well, the other guy gets hurt all the time, and, you know, there's a lot of... Greatest backup goalie in Penn's history, apparently. Hmm? Kessel Satrick was... You can be angry about it. I'm not angry about it. The fans are going to lap it up. They love Marc-Andre Fleury. Good for them. Yeah. I thought it was a great TV moment, especially when he hit Dan Potash in the nuts. Maybe they should have Potash follow Fleury around this year. Travel with him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kessel's hat trick was the 212th in Penguins history and the 138th at home. They are in Montreal on Saturday night. I'm not sure where Vegas plays. Oh, we'll I'm keep track of the flower. We'll let you know. There's a uh, there's a flower tracker on TV.com. <laughs> Jeff Butch Hobson from Bengals.com. Did he have his hat on backwards when he was interviewed? Yeah. Should it have been frontward? No, it's just that was always his trademark thing. Yeah, he had his hat on backwards. And then he gave Potash a shot right in the jewels on his way out. He's like, uh, thanks for the interview, Mark. And he's like, uh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> it was great. But Potash didn't think so. No, he definitely did not. Hit him with the hockey stick, didn't he? All right, guys, that's it from down here. No, with his Thank goalie you. pad. Oh, with his pad. Yeah, gave him like one of the thwap. One of those. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was great. It I'm going to work that. this kidney stone out. Back up to you guys. <laughs> I thought it was great. Flower doing well? He appears to be. They know we still love him. Uh, well, you know, some of the some of the uh, fervor has died down a bit. Well, well, apparently a, not. They had a chant last night. Your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, the Pub of Tony Dale. Flurry, That's $3.16 ounce Bud Light drafts during all Steeler games. The Pub of Tony Dale is your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Dave Damashek from the NFL Network next app. Each week, Coach Tomlin gives a press conference, and uh, when he speaks to the media, he kind of dances around certain uh, topics, and it's hard to parse through what he's saying. So in order to get to the subtext of what Coach Tomlin is really saying, we employ the use of the Tomlin Translator developed by a bunch of uh, uh, computer geeks over there at Carnegie Mellon. 
Those and nerds really know what they're doing. They really do. They're really good at it. So let's get into what uh, went down yesterday. Coach Tomlin uh, asked about uh, the defense and how often they blitz. Mike, how often did you blitz last week? And have you done more of that this year? Um, probably no more than, than, than normal, to be quite honest with you. Um, it was effective, um, but probably um, from a ratio standpoint, no more than normal. All right, through the translator. We blitz all the time. <laughs> We've just always sucked at it until last Sunday. <laughs> there you go. Uh, he was asked about uh, Joe Hayden uh, following uh, Julio Jones. Like after the game, you were asked about Hayden following Julio Jones around the field. Is there similar thinking going into this week against Cincy? It's a multi-layered discussion, and it's not just about the person that you're working to neutralize. All right, let's translate. The answer to that question requires me to speak to Tim Benz much longer than I'd like to, so I'm gonna punt. (laughs) And then Benzie followed it up. It's not just as easy as a correlation between Julio and A.J. Green, then. It's not, no. Shut up, Tim Benz. not right, man. Why does he the trade hate I, I Benzie the, so much? I think the translator gets this wrong. Yeah, I think that, that might be a glitch. Yeah, there, there's something. Someone <laughs> did Tim uh, upset one of the dorks over at CMU or something? <laughs> dorks. I don't think so. I don't know. He was then uh, asked about the uh the rule changes in the in the league and how it might affect this rivalry against the Bengals. How do you think the rule changes will affect a, a rivalry that's known for physicality? I don't know that it will. Okay, through the there's gonna be so much laundry thrown on the ground Sunday afternoon. It's gonna look like AB has a luxury condo 14 floors above the field. Because <laughs> he throws things out the window. <laughs> That's why, yeah. Um, he was asked about his post-game comments this past Sunday. Do you expect to receive a fine for your comments on Sunday? I do not. I definitely do. Yeah, I think that's probably <laughs> no doubt. Uh, he was asked about, about Lev. Do you have any update on Le'Veon? Or do you talk to him or anything? I do not. Unless James Conner gets hurt, Le'Veon Bell can ride a jet ski off a ramp made of stripper asses and land in a pile <laughs> of ganja for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> that's a visual that's a pay-per-view event that's <laughs> it's like fonzie <laughs> jumping the shark just off a ramp of stripper asses uh he was asked about uh, uh tj watt uh here i think this was uh eddie boo Mike, how disruptive was tj watt on sunday the stat line says it all very um but again he was not alone and that's usually the case Jesus said, read Gene's column to find what out happened if you're not going to pay attention to the game. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's a Hall of Famer. Don't talk to Ed Bouchette like that. Uh, <laughs> he was asked about the kicker, Coach Hamlin was. Mike, is there any further concern with Boswell at all of missing almost as many extra points this year as in his career? No, we, we got a lot of confidence in him. Uh, it's something that he has to work through, and he will. Uh, but this guy didn't forget how to kick. All right, through the Tomlin translator, the subtext. He didn't forget how to kick, but he did forget how to kick it straight. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> distinction. Yeah. 
I do not have amnesia in that regard. He's gotten me out of that stadium in Cincinnati a few times, and so I look forward to taking him to Cincinnati. Okay, through the translator. And leaving him there if he misses another extra point. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, now, the AB news about his luxury condo meltdown mm-hmm. broke shortly before this press conference, so Coach was asked about that. Hey, was Antonio Brown being sued and accused of throwing furniture out of window news to you? Is that something you can address? I have no comment regarding that. I know nothing about it. All right, so the comment translator. I've known for months. <laughs> we all have. Well, I think that, yeah. yeah, most likely. Uh, <laughs> and then he had a follow-up about A.B. What steps do you have to take to make sure that A.B. is emotionally and physically available to, to give his best? Uh... No comment. Ooh, okay. That's good. I'm about to take a step on your bitch ass if you keep asking me about A.B. <laughs> really, really defensive there and lastly he was asked about his relationship with Bengals coach Marvin Lewis Mike what's your relationship like with Marvin Lewis and largely professionally uh got a lot of respect for him and the way he runs his football team and what he's been able to do over extended period of time in Cincinnati Ohio through the translator the subtext I cannot believe he hasn't been fired yet (laughs) there you go I mean, unless he sharts in the 16th chapel, like, how do you up that? The you got a 16th? I mean, what is it? What did I say? <laughs> First through 15. I'll tell you what. Don't. Do what you want to. 1 through 16 is the best. <laughs> that was so funny. That was like a little kid would say that. That was funny. The 16th chapel. <laughs> Together with Doc Hollywood. Yeah, I did. <laughs> the 16th Chapel. I don't know why it's not called the 16th Chapel. I mean, why is it called the Sistine Chapel? <laughs> I think that's a typo. <laughs> they messed up, not me. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Sistine's right next to the fifth. Next to the fifteen. Fitting. <laughs> fitting. <laughs> well, that was a, a an uh, an apt lead-in to the top news story that I'm about to tell you about here momentarily. How's that for a tease? Let's look at the weather brought to you by Bridgeville Appliance. Thank you, Danielle. Uh, Currently, we are at right around 45 degrees. It's chilly out there. It was 85 the other day. Not anymore. Put a sweatshirt on. Yeah. Uh, So uh, breaking news here this morning. Breaking. Pope Francis accepted the resignation of Colonel Cardinal Donald Whirl, the Archbishop of Washington, former bishop here, uh, a moment many victims of clerical sexual abuse had hoped would demonstrate his commitment to holding accountable bishops who have mismanaged cases of sexual misconduct. Whoa, that's big news. But instead of making an example of Cardinal Worrell, who was named in a recent Pennsylvania grand jury report that accused church leaders of covering up abuse, Francis held up held him up as a model. For the future unity of the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope cited Cardinal Worrell's nobility and announced that the 77-year-old uh, would stay on as the archdiocese caretaker until the appointment of his successor. Um, what? Yeah, it's really strange. In an interview, Cardinal Worrell said that he would continue to live in Washington and that he expected to keep his position in the Vatican offices 
that exert great influence, including the one that advises the Pope on the appointment of bishops. So, what's what's the message here? If you can self police and um, give yourself some mm-hmm. some of the business, then uh, you can stay in the business. Cardinal Worrell had a reputation as a reformer before the Pennsylvania grand jury report in August detailed widespread clerical abuse over many decades. The report included accounts of Cardinal Worrell's poor handling of accusations against priests when he was the Bishop of Pittsburgh, mentioning his name more than 200 times. The report said Cardinal Worrell had relied on the advice of psychologists to permit priests accused of sexually abusing children to remain in the ministry. That's just unforgivable. Yeah. Not unforgivable. I mean, everybody can forgive, but it's unacceptable. Mm, yeah. At at the very least. You want to just go to news that doesn't matter? Yeah. yeah I mean, we don't have to talk about Can't like uh, Kanye while the world is melting and the stock market is plummeting and storms are battering the southern coast and journalists are being killed. Let's just talk about dumb stuff. Julia Roberts is getting her feelings hurt bill she's almost 50 years old she's rich she's beautiful she's she is she's gorgeous she's an oscar winner but the internet trolls they get to her what she went for aaron brockovich i think so yeah yeah i believe so her niece emma it wasn't mystic pizza no or it wasn't pretty woman oh and it wasn't although that was an iconic performance the movie with justine bateman where liam neeson was a club owner and he hired their band to play all summer long at the shore <laughs> oh man i don't know oh it's called satisfaction that movie's called satisfaction and and julia roberts is the bass player justine bateman is the lead singer and it's tough because it's like i love justine bateman i had a crush on her forever but she's the lead in that movie and julia roberts is just like the friend the yeah but she's the star she's the bass player but she's like She's the star. You know what I mean? Yes. And Liam Neeson's there the whole time, hiring them over and over again. Did re- either of them get kidnapped? I really like your band, but if it gets kidnapped, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be able to fit them all in my car. <laughs> what was the bit you did about him? Amnesia or something? Like how he just forgot about everything? He just everything. forgets everything. I can't... Yeah, I don't remember. He just... He kept forgetting things. It was a really dumb bit. Taken could just be called horrible dad (laughs) how many times are your kids gonna get kidnapped before it's on you yeah i mean really taking one taking two taking three (laughs) you know what just take them again go ahead too fast too taken i really got to change the code on my garage It shouldn't be zero 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 zero. Oh, did you like see Kanye's Kanye <laughs> with that yesterday? Did you know that somebody posted this? I don't know whether it's true or not. There's some, you know, law act. If you shared the video of Kanye West typing zero 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 into his phone as his passcode, then you are breaking the law that was punishable of up to ten years in prison. Really? Well, someone said it on the internet, so it must be true. Yeah, that doesn't sound true. Uh, Somehow, that was the only thing that didn't surprise me about what went down there yesterday. At any rate, back to the nonsense. Emma Roberts recently posted a picture of she and her aunt, Aunt Julia, playing cards. And then the comments started coming. People said, Julia's not aging well. She looks like a man. 
that kind of stuff. And she said, quote, you know, I was amazed how that made me feel. I'm a 50 year old woman and I know who I am and my feelings still got hurt. I was sad that people couldn't see the point of it, the sweetness of it, the absolute shining joy of that photo. It's just her and her niece just sitting there playing some cards and she got blown up by the trolls. I'm just playing go fish here. What's what's the problem? But if if there's something bad is happening to us when we have to develop that callus. Julia Roberts is like, you think I look bad? Have you seen Eric? (laughs) Eric looks like he got kicked in the nose by Chuck Norris. (laughs) He does look like someone just steel-toed him right in the face. Hey, great news. Say what you want about NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, but his policies have apparently had a significant impact on player conduct off the field. 12 years ago, NFL players were arrested or cited at least 71 times for various alleged crimes, including 10 incidents for the Cincinnati Bengals alone. I mean, they were bringing that percentage up single handedly. Big time. 20 arrests for players suspected of drunk driving back then. So far this year, there have only been 30 arrests and citations. Pretty good. It's pretty good. If the number stays in that vicinity, it'll be the second lowest number since 2000. The only year with less was 2016. There were only 28. DUI arrests are down to about nine per year since January. Uber has totally changed Ch- that changed the game. That number. Uh, it was 15 a year from 2005 to 2014. So they're down six per year. Domestic abuse arrests dropped from about seven per year in 2005 to 2014 to about five per year since 2015 and hopefully that number keeps plummeting but i i'm skeptical of these numbers because of the these players are in positions of power and fame and how many of these aren't getting reported or you you know what i'm saying doesn't say that here (laughs) i don't know right well that's what i mean yeah like what happened in april with ab that that is right Potentially, I mean, if any of us did that, we'd probably be arrested. Well, I'm more than likely. If any of us did that, so we what, does f- it not count because it's them? That's how the world works, there, Bill. It's I know, but I'm just saying you can't tout these numbers and expect us to go. Oh, wow, they're all saints now. Well, they're in people throwing furniture out of condos has increased <laughs> from zero per year. To at least We're up a thousand percent, guys. To at least one. The NFL often points out that its player arrest rate historically has been lower than that of the general population for males between the ages of 20 and 39, even during its worst year for arrests. I think that's an important thing to remember. But a lot of times people look at it and think, you have it so good. Your life is so great. Why would you screw it up? Spend a little money. Get someone to drive for you. Stay out of trouble. Don't get in fights. In bars and stuff like that. Who was it? Who was the coach who had like the midnight curfew for bars? Who was like, nothing good happens after midnight in the club. Get out. Oh, it was on one of the hard knocks, right? Yeah, I can't remember who it was. But I thought about that. I'm like, you know, he's kind of right. As much as I always like that part of it. <laughs> I can tell you what coach it wasn't. Todd Haley. Oh, no. <laughs> he's like, that's when they that's when they lower the price of tequila that's shots. That's when all the fun happens. That's when the line goes way down at the mechanical bull. Scarlett Johansson has done six Marvel movies as Black Widow. She's cashing in now. How about this? She's going to get $15 million for the upcoming Black Widow movie. Good for her. I know, right? Filming will begin sometime next year, which means the movie probably won't be released until 2020 or 2021. I love Scar Jo. She did and I want to see that backstory, too. 
she did a movie called Love Song for Bobby Long with John Travolta. It's an awesome movie, especially if you love New Orleans. It's like this perfect New Orleans movie, but she's just... Who doesn't love ScarJo? Oh, I loved she, her as the voice in that amazing. movie, She, or Her, whatever it was. I think it was Her. Who? She. Scarlet salary is significant for the equal pay movement. It's the same amount that Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth got for playing Captain America and Thor in Avengers Infinity War. Captain America Civil War and Thor Ragnarok, as well as the upcoming fourth Avengers movie. So good for her. It's awesome. I'm excited to see that and Captain Marvel. I think that's the name. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any I think of them it takes anymore. Place in the 16th Chapel. I thought Venom was supposed to stink, and now it's the number one movie in the country, and everybody loves it and says it's like revolutionary. Did Sean? Sean re- hated it. Yeah. I thought, yeah, that's what I, I heard. But he it wasn't sucked. alone. A lot of people hated him. And it's doing awesome. People are all going to go see it because they were excited to go see it. Right. Uh, are it doesn't you, mean it's good. Are you one of those people who rewinds The Office as soon as you're done watching it and just start watching it from the beginning to the end again? No. There's a lot of people. And no. I, I go on Office runs. Oh. No. Happy Office Day. i uh probably seen it four times all the way through. Really? Yeah. Wow. I just, I mean, I watched it when it originally happened, and then I've yeah. let it run a couple of times. Look, when times are down, you know. It is a nice It's a, a nice, nice break from the, the madness. Yeah, that's right. Things are awful out there. It's a nice respite. And a lot of people are saying now, well, they got to bring it back, right? But Steve Carell says that's not going to happen. He doesn't think the show would fly today if they started it now because of political correctness and the Me Too movement. He said, it might be impossible to do that show today and have it have people accept it the way it was accepted 10 years ago. The climate's different. Michael Scott was predicated on inappropriate behavior. He's certainly not a model boss. A lot of what is depicted on that show is completely wrong-minded. That's the point, but I just don't know how that would fly now. There's a very high awareness of offensive things today, which is good for sure, but at the same time, when you take a character like that too literally, it doesn't work. You could do. You could address it. You could just have Michael Scott going to Me Too workshops. He would never keep his job. No, That's, he'd be fired immediately. But he had to do stuff like that. I mean, there was, you know, the racial sensitivity training episode was a classic. Yeah. yeah. So they were able to kind of, you know, dance around those kind of things back then. But I agree with them because when I watch it now, I do kind of. There's a couple of things. There's like, ooh, that wouldn't fly now. You know, just like if you go back and look at the stuff that we used to do on, on the DV morning show when I first started working the first eight years, you know, 10 years that I worked here, there's a ton of stuff that if we did it today would be rung up immediately. Yeah, but that's the thing is that you shouldn't feel bad about that stuff because that was then and you're not still doing it. Oh, I know. You know, you can't take all of the uh, the information that you have today and, and judge the past with it. No, I agree. Um but I also don't feel like I'm being robbed of an opportunity to do that stuff. Do you know what I mean? I don't feel like, yeah. oh, this really stinks. I'm not allowed to do this total. What? We can't over do the- borderline homophobic and racist stuff anymore? <laughs> Super racist, homophobic. Come on. What the heck fun. is this world coming to? You just got to. Come on. You got to uh, find uh, different avenues, Bill. That's all. Burger King and Dunkin' Donuts. Have the fastest drive through How about that? Guess who has the slowest? Mickey D's. That's They're right. They're always making fries. 
They're always making the fries. Uh, yeah, it's great for BK. It shows they're fast and efficient and hardworking is one way to look at it. Or it's terrible for BK because it shows they're so unpopular the drive through lines are never very long. It's like that old story of which barber do you want to go to? The one that has hair all over his floor or the one who's totally tidy? The one that has hair all over his floor is too busy to clean up. That other guy's got I, nothing else to do. I personally go to the one who sells cocaine. The one in Swiss Vale? Yeah, that's the guy who I sells go crack to. cocaine? Yeah. That was another news story that we did earlier this morning. I like to get a nice little butt cut and an, an eight ball. A Swissville barber charged with selling crack cocaine cocaine at the barber shop where he worked. Brian Smith accused of selling the drugs at Cut and Play on the 7500 uh, block of Washington Avenue. Police believe Smith would go outside to sell the drugs between haircuts. At least he didn't do it while he was cutting the hair because that would be dangerous. Yeah. You can't just sell teeners while you're giving somebody a Beijing. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, so Burger King's the, the fastest. McDonald's is the slowest. Duncan is, yeah, they, they're quick. <laughs> I go there frequently. Really? Good, oh, yeah. Good, co- good coffee. You just get the coffee? I get the coffee and I get the the, uh, the donuts for the girls. Huh. All right. Why are you surprised at that? I just, I don't know. I don't know anybody that goes to the drive through at Duncan like that. I mean, because you're working here. So you're not going to Dunkin' until the afternoons? On the weekends. Oh, okay. All right. I, I have a life outside of here. I didn't think you did. You don't know me. No. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, this one comes right uh, out of Monongahela. Another. Right out of the river? Drug story. 36-year-old guy in Monongahela, Aaron Webb, he's been sell- selling heroin out of his apartment. The problem with that is his apartment is literally right across the street from the police station. Somehow the cops never noticed. Hmm. Even with the constant stream of sketchy people going in and out of the apartment. Imagine the pull of of those drugs where people are willing to go into the apartment across the street from the police station. I don't have to imagine it because I knew a kid in high school that lived right across from a police station and sold drugs. Come on. Yeah. He was like, hey, safest place to be. (laughs) Safest place to be. Right behind the cops. I'm like, they could probably hear us. Us? You mean them, Bill. What? (laughs) Right. Well, the cops got a hold of Aaron, anyways, and uh, you're gonna catch us. <laughs> we have to keep our voices down. <laughs> Is what I imagine they would say. Yes, when they were in that apartment. Yeah, I was speaking in the third person for the first person. Look, Bill's rampant drug use of the past aside, we have a huge, huge <laughs> football game this weekend. Now I only do donuts. That's right. How about that? That's all I do. Just snort munchkins. That's right. Mike Pursuta coming in. Pens win Unless last my night. my nose so blown out from all the cocaine that <laughs> from I did all the from cocaine. my barber. That's right. It's pretty easy to get them up there. Just scrape off the powder, off the donut. <laughs> Feel the thrill was on something last night. Yeah, he was. Natural Hattie last night for Phil. Uh, and uh, also Jake Gensel gets one. Michael had the full report on the Pens win with Casey DeSmith in the net last night. But it's all about the Bengals and the Steelers here coming up this Sunday. The start of the NFL or the NF 
the AFC North run that the Steelers have to go on here, and it's a pretty big deal. Basically, the season is the next three games. Now, in the past, I've said the season is the Falcons game, and I meant it because if they lost it, well, they would have been totally screwed, but they didn't. They got new life, and will they have a new running back when they get done with this week? Left Bell still says, coming back. Coming back. After the bye, so, or before the bye, so he can get paid for the bye. It's coming back. That's smart. Michael, have the full report for you there. We got Dave Damashek from the NFL Network from Bengals.com, our Know Your Enemy segment with Jeff Hobson. Your chance at $1,000 in workforce cash at the top of every hour. That's on the way for you here on the DVE Morning. DVE. Sports. Hey, here we go. Mike Pursuta with your sports. We're getting ready for, for, for Steelers Bengals football on Sunday in Cincinnati. The Escalooza could be renamed. Well, it might not uh, change directions by mid third quarter the way it usually does. That's the best. Nothing like seeing that thing just, just filing. One way in, one way out. Bunch of Bengals fans cruising back down to the parking lot. It's amazing how that's become the defining architectural signature of that stadium. It's a huge escalator (laughs) that stands out from the rest of the stadium. It's not confined within the actual architecture, so you can see when people are just... Almost as if they added it after it had been built. Like, hey, we need a big escalator (laughs) thing. I think that's what I was thinking, that they built it and they went, Oh damn! How are we going to get yeah. people down from up there? That's a pretty nice, pretty nice upper deck. Yeah, it is. Sports assault. How are we getting up there? Ah, <laughs> oh, I knew I forgot oh. something. Sports assault brought to you by Blackish on my twenty-two. When you arrive, when the Steelers arrive, the way that stadium is laid out, the buses take you underneath the stands and drop you off in a lower concourse. And the locker room is to the left, and the tunnel to the field is right in front of you. And I always walk out. To the field, to the corner of the end zone, and across the way, the Escalusa looms. It is uh, unmistakable. It is ever-present. For whom will the Escalusa toll? I, I, you know, roll is what you should say. Yeah. Steelers are seventeen and three at Paul Brown Stadium. I don't. I mean, a lot of that's stuff- at Paul Brown Stadium. They're seventeen and three. You know, and you said like, Ben hardly ever loses in Ohio. I mean, there's no real rhyme or reason to those kind of stats to me. I mean, they seem Other to be... than Ben just owns in Ohio. I know, but I think those things are circumstantial. I get why Monday nights are better for some people and why you can always point to that. Like, oh, they're always big on Monday night. But for some reason, playing in a certain location, I'm not sure. Well, Is Ben always yeah. inspired after this long? It's his home long? state, so yeah. he wants to play his best game. I don't buy that. But, you know, the Browns are usually bad. That's what, uh, again, circumstantial. That and, helps. And the Bengals usually find a way to lose. And this year they're not doing that. So, so far. So far. Now, was this just because they're playing the Colts and the Falcons? And, you know, are they still going to do what they always do against the Steelers? Will this game still be as violent as it always is? Probably. Those four so, wins, they do have one AFC North win in that, right? Baltimore. Oh, yeah. They stomped yeah. Baltimore. Looked, Thursday looked, night football. Looked good doing it, too. Who then lost to Cleveland. They had to come back against Indianapolis, had to come back against Atlanta, and had to come back against Miami. But that's, you know, when you're winning games in the fourth quarter, that should be a feather in your cap, not a a criticism. Four and one's four and one. Uh, We'll see if they're any different. Uh, One of the uh, 
factors in this game that uh, I'm not sure anybody can accurately categorize is uh, the emotion the Steelers are going to be feeling. Uh, the last time they were in Cincinnati, December 4th, that was the night Ryan Shazier got hurt. And uh, a lot of things changed for Ryan Shazier. A lot of things changed for the Steelers. Uh, they're going back, and uh, both of them uh, seemingly are on the mend. Uh, they don't let us interview Ryan Shazier. Officially, he is a player on the injured reserve list. Now, he has been helping the coaches and the scouts and, and involved in, in any way he can get himself involved uh, since the springtime. Uh, I talked to T.J. Watt yesterday. He said that uh, in the last couple of weeks, Shazier has started running linebackers-only meetings once a week just to, to work through stuff and, and work on the communication and uh, you know, coach up the unit. Just Good. No, no coaches, just the players. Uh, T.J. Watt also said that uh, Shazier is uh, what you might call the game plan whisperer. The coaches give him the game plan, and then he brings it to the linebackers, goes over the opponent, goes over the Steelers' schemes and what they're going to try to do, the, the players on the other team that he thinks are dangerous. And then he, Shazier will report back to the coaches Hey, the guys understand this. They don't get that. They're not sure about this. Kind of. A, He's like the tribal leader, like you know, just another taking it to count. Another set of eyes and ears to, to help facilitate the preparation process. He's on the sidelines on game days uh, when when the players come off the field. Uh, he has an iPad a lot of the times. He's going over things. You did this wrong. You did this well. Try this. If you see this, look for that. Uh, just immersing himself in the operation uh, any way that he can. Uh, T.J. Watt, uh, nothing but impressed and nothing but inspired by Ryan Shazier. Yeah, whenever you look at a guy like that, it makes you want to play harder because Ryan would do anything to be out there playing um, with us and um, just, just kind of is a first-hand example of never taking anything for granted. And um, he, he's just he's so happy to be a part of the team and so happy to help in any way, and he's just truly a, a, just an incredible teammate. Unless you're a part of it, and, and I mean, people will never understand what he means to this organization, what he means to the guys in this locker room, and just just from a camaraderie standpoint, he he he's always trying to get us all together off the out of the facility as well. So um, he's he's an integral part on this team, that's for sure. Yeah, even even off the field and away from the facility, kind of. That's awesome. Promoting the bonding and the the team building and that kind of stuff. Tyler Matikavich and and I believe it or not, and I do believe him. Matikavich insists that Ryan Shazier has not changed in terms of his demeanor and his uh, outlook since the injury. He hasn't really changed much since what he was doing before. You know, I mean, he's still like one of the first guys in here watching film and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, we got meetings, just the LBs, and he's running them. You know what I mean? And shoot, last week, I mean, when I was in there and stuff, he was like the first person you'd see with that iPad when you come off the field. You know what I mean? Just like, hey, you're good this series. Like, don't worry about her. Like, hey, maybe watch this on this series. You know what I mean? So, I mean, without him out there, I mean, I don't know what I do. <laughs> yeah, so he's on the sideline every game. This yeah, no, Shay's, Shay's always down there. Yeah. He's acting like a coach. Yeah, no, I mean, Shay's always down there. I mean, he's just doing the same stuff he's always done. You know what I mean? And his approach to the game doesn't change. He hasn't changed since the moment I walked in here. He's still helping you out with every single thing. Colbert has said a couple times since he got hurt. Ryan's a guy he never said, why me? You yeah. look at him and say, well, how does this guy have the attitude the, that he has? All the time. All the time. Uh, I mean, that... That's what makes him him. You know what I mean? I mean, I've, had, I've sat down. I've had multiple conversations with him and stuff like that, just about everything and and just where we're at today and everything that's happened and stuff. And I mean, where he's at mentally, uh, I don't know anybody who could be 
in the state of mind where he's at mentally. It's you, a good place, oh, right? great place. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. Not in a negative way. He's in a great place, and I just don't know. I don't think there's too many people who would be in such a great place facing what he was facing. You know what I mean? Uh, I really don't know too many people. Hmm. It is. It's a. It's an incredible story, and it's, yeah, it and it's getting better. He's getting better. Uh, I've talked to him a couple times, just you know, chatting. Mm-hmm. Casual conversation. I think the last time we talked, we talked about the Penn State Ohio State game. He's still uh, Buckeye to the core. Talked about getting his car painted. He was a little too loud before, so he wanted to tone it down. I mean, he's just a, a normal guy, and he seems, you know, from what little time I was around him before the injury and then since, we're not around these guys in the media a ton, but it's fairly regular our, our intervals. He just he seems unaffected by this, which is remarkable to me. I love that he, that that the organization has kept him so close and offered him the opportunity to to stay with the team like this because I think that that's vital to his mental health. Yeah, and Kevin Colbert, you, know? you heard me reference uh, Kevin Colbert to Tyler Maddukavich. Kevin Colbert thinks he's doing as much, if not more, for the Steelers as the Steelers are for him, just by the way he's approaching this stuff and the way he's attacking his rehab and uh, the, the spirit. Uh, that he's displaying. Uh, Keith Butler uh, talked about Ryan Shazier a little bit yesterday as well. Uh, Butler talked about Shazier as someone that uh, the entire league is concerned about and rooting for. There's a lot of people in the league that, that you know, felt for Ryan. Uh, that's just not just us. It's the whole league. I mean, you see somebody get hurt like that and you're concerned about, you know, their, their, uh, their physical uh a physical ability to do anything. So, you know, that was a concern for us at that point in time last year, and that was that kind of overwhelmed anything else. Is he doing as well as he seems? I think he is, yeah. I, and uh, he says he is. I mean, he's, he's moving better and stuff like that. Uh, still got a long way to go, but he's a lot better than he was. Yes, he is. And he does still have a long way to go, but he is a whole lot better than he was last December 4th. It's remarkable that he's going to be walking on that field this weekend. I can only imagine what's going to be going through his mind and his heart when he gets there. But Well, I wonder if the emotion of that game is going to, you know, for the players who took part in that last year, if that's going to come rushing back. Because it's got to, right? It, at you, least temporarily. Y- yeah. At least at first. The outset. I yeah. think once they get playing, all that stuff always goes away. another game. But in the, the lead-up to that, it's going to be hard for them to not be put emotionally back in that place. That game, there was a lot going on. Oh my God! Yeah, in I'm glad game. this isn't a night game. I'm I'm glad that it's not prime time. Me too. Because that that would add a whole other element of violence to this game. And I wonder if that emotion that you referenced, Randall, d- does that overwhelm them and and kind of paralyze them, or does it? Would it inspire them? Would they want to you know play for him in some form or fashion? I think the latter. Initially. I think the latter, but um, do you get a resolve from that, or do you just become so overwhelmed that that you can't deal? No, uh, I think last. I think the last game, like Vince, had to be consoled on the sideline because he was crying. Yeah, that was the game where I think it would have affected him the most. I mean, you heard Coach say this week when asked, "How did you get through that game after Ryan's injury?" and he said, know. "I don't know." Yeah, I don't know. Not so, sure how they did it either, but they boy they played great second half. They they really did, but it was a hard hitting matchup between those two. It always is, but there was something about that game. 
Uh, and I wonder how the network and the league wants the network to handle that aspect of it. Because you don't want to not glorify it, but you don't want to... I notice it's not on primetime. Right. Yeah. That's good for us. But I mean, in terms of the production of the actual game itself, now that they've put it at 1 o'clock, will they be talking about it a lot? Will they downplay it? Will they sensationalize it? Will it be something that they, they'll they'll reference a lot? And I would have to think the lead-in will be all the violence of recent years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the video clips that they string together at the start when, they, and, when they're introducing the broadcast. Yeah. It's got it's to be guys taking guys' heads off, right? It's got to be. And it, probably some some produced piece on Countdown as well. Well, yeah, I would. I think you're right there. You're going to see the progress of Shazier because it is a pretty feel-good story. And the NFL was positioning this story, I think, it felt like to me, with all of the attention being paid to concussions and the health uh, um, you know, uh, effects of all of these people de- dealing with the concussions. This was a feel-good story about an injury in the NFL, about a guy working his way back that sort of helped to kind of offset all of the bad press they were getting. Oh yeah, this on story the concussion is side of things. Yeah, and Ryan Shazier's made it that. And I, I think to your point about how the Steelers going to feel, I, I think it absolutely helps them that he's there every day and, and they see him and they're working with him. T.J. Watt talked about he does all that stuff with the game plan and everything and all the all the meetings and the coaching. And then he goes in the weight room and does his rehab and they see him in there working and progressing daily and it's pretty cool stuff. It really is. Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com. Butch joins us next in our Know Your Enemy. Well, we know these guys. There's no doubt about that. Steelers, Bengals, Sunday. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. The coverage begins right here at 9 a.m. Tim Benz, Dale Lawley, Rob King. They hand it off to Mike Pursuta, who gets the network going along with Bob Labriola and Jerry Dulac, and then they pass it to the triumvirate of Steeler Broadcasting, Bill Hillgrove, Tunch Hilkin, and Craig Wolfley on the sidelines. A 1 o'clock kickoff, and 9 o'clock, we start pregaming here on your home of the Steelers, DV. It's the Steelers flagship station, 102.5 DVE. Each week we do a segment, Know Your Enemy, where we get to better know who we're going to be taking on on Sunday. We don't need to know these guys a whole lot better than we already do. But it's always nice to talk to our old friend from Bengals.com. Jeff, Butch, Hobson. Butch, good morning. How are you? Good. How you doing? Yeah, I don't think it's... uh, It seems like we know each other uh, going back to Chuck Noll and Paul Brown. I know. It, the, <laughs> these are two teams who who are not unfamiliar with one another. But you know, a little different on your end this year, though. How huh? Butch are winning in the fourth quarter? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, I think the last four times they've played the Steelers, three of those games they've come up uh, crabs and ice water in the fourth quarter, zero <laughs> points. <laughs> my uncle Walty from Maine would say that crabs yeah, and, ice and ice water. That would mean that means absolutely nothing if you're playing cribbage in a hand. You know, you get a hand that's bad. 
<laughs> first cribbage reference of the morning. So <laughs> thanks for that. But, you know, you pointed out uh, on uh, Bengals.com that this is a game of matchups that are pretty fun to watch. Uh, not just uh, Joe Hayden and A.J. Green or uh, A.B. and William Jackson. You got uh, Geno Atkins coming off uh, a big game. You got a, a, a right tackle who will be facing uh, T.J. Watt, who's also been on fire, and, and your guy had a good uh, week last week. So which one do you key on here? Which one do you think is the most important, Jeff? Well, I love James Conner. Uh, the guy, he's, to me, he's uh, he's a hell of a young back. And Pittsburgh, uh, and Mike knows this, Pittsburgh always is going to do what Pittsburgh always does when they come into Paul Brown Stadium. And they're going to assert themselves at the line of scrimmage, and they're going to run the ball. Pittsburgh says... We're going to run the ball. The Bengals say we'd like to run the ball. To me, that's been the difference in the series hmm. for a long time. And I, there's no doubt in my mind after what Pittsburgh did last week to get that they kind of got things back on the rails, giving it to Connor. I would expect the same thing today, and the Bengals will have to. To me, the stat will be if they if they stop Connor in the run game. If they don't, it's a long day. If they do, they get a shot. We'll flip that over, Butch. Uh, the the Bengals back Joe Mixon looks uh, intriguing to me. Looks uh, to be a much better guy than he was a year ago. I'm seeing a guy who slams it in hard between the tackles, who has the vision and speed to bounce it out. And I even saw a little Le'Veon Bell, you know, that stop, start, wait, okay, now I go kind of kind of part of his game. Is this guy uh, kind of Le'Veon light? He's our Le'Veon Bell. He's a different type of back than Le'Veon, but he's... To me, I always thought that AJ and Le'Veon Bell were the two best, and and Brown were the three best players in the division. And um, right now, if you can give Mixon a Le'Veon, I mean, if you can give AJ Green a Le'Veon Bell-like guy and Mixon, you know that kind of that that's that kind of it doesn't shift the balance of power, but it certainly evens things out. And Mixon is a uh, Mixon's a hell of a weapon because as terrific as he is running the ball, he's a great pass receiver. The guy has got great instincts in the pass game. Uh, he he his his 18-yard touchdown catch off of Andy's scramble, which was a terrific play on both ends, turned the tide of that game. I mean, he grinded it out. I mean, I think he went uh, he got 90 yards rushing, but the play of the day was his was his touchdown catch. So he's terrific in both areas. Why are they winning in fourth quarters? Well, I think it's uh, you get breaks. You know, I think you get breaks. Um, um, and I, you know, it, it's a, every team is different. I mean, you know how it is. You can get uh, one game early in the season, you know, can kind of set the can set the trend for you, and you can't shake it. Well, they got a uh, they came up big in the opener, and now they're riding it. You know, football is a game of waves, especially now with the way the offenses are. It's a game of momentum and waves, and you ride it from week to week. And um, you know, I think it has something to do with the fact that they got a lot of young guys. You know they don't have a lot of baggage. I think I, uh, you know, they, you know, it's sometimes you can get, you know, you go through games and you can get, not that you have scars, but stuffs in the back of your mind. But you know, uh, you know, thirty guys on this roster began their NFL career after the Jeremy Hill fumble. Will that be a factor? I don't know. Does that mean they have no, you know, they have no memory, uh, you know, of uh, fourth quarters past? I don't know probably helps though so perfect coming back in this game certainly increases the chances that it will retain the tenor of the last time the Steelers visited Cincinnati what do you expect 
that to be the the tenor of this game on, on Sunday, and how close to, to being back is perfect. Well, Schuster's playing too, I guess, so he'll also add to the tenor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, that's just the way it is. You know, I mean, you just name. The, I mean, just name the guy. I mean, just he can name the players and replace them down through the eras. You know, starting with Bill Berge. You know, I mean, I, I just think it's a division game. I was talking to Bobby Hyde about this, the right tackle. You know, he kind of. You know, he uh, he played with the Giants, and you know, so he saw you know he saw Giants, Eagles, Giants, Cowboys. You know, and uh, that, 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 that this is different. Obviously, I think probably from a physical standpoint, uh, it's different. But uh, I remember Chris Carter talking about this. Uh, Chris Carter, the old uh, Steelers linebacker, who came and played for us for a little bit, and uh, he would talk about how Tomlin emphasized, uh, you know, going to be a physical week, getting the getting the getting the tub this week, getting the tub this week. We're going, you know, we're playing Cincinnati, and it's the way it is. Both both sides. I know so much has been written, but. I think the bottom line: both teams have a lot of respect for each other because they uh, they do play the game the way it's meant to be. I mean, they do play. I don't know how the uh, rules makers are going to, you know, uh, I don't know how the refs are going to call this one because uh, you know this 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 rivalry. It's still kind of they play it like it's 1978, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and that's not a that's not a. I mean, I'm just saying that's the way they play the game. It's aggressive. I think both both Tomlin and Marvin teach old school. I mean, aggressiveness and physicality. And, uh, you know, well, uh, to me, that's the most interesting thing is how the officials are going to call this thing because usually there's, you know, there's a lot of hard hitting, you know, a lot of good, clean, hard hits. And uh, how are they going to call it, you know? Butch Hobson, our guest right now uh, on the DV Morning Show, our Know Your Enemy segment as we're getting ready for Steelers Bengals again this Sunday. Uh, we have traditionally, you know, Lev Bell last year had one hell of a game running the ball. Be interesting to see if James Conner is going to be able to get that kind of attack going again. And I, I think it's also interesting that you think this is still going to be a run-first game for the Steelers, given what you just said, the change in this game. Everybody is just airing it out nonstop right now. And I, I keep waiting for this Bengals-Steelers game to be 60 pass attempts per team. Yeah, I tell you, well, you know, I, I really like Schuster. I, Schuster's a hell of a receiver. You know, that's a great, a great compliment to A.B. over there. So, you know, kind of what Tyler Boyd is doing for us complimenting green you know and uh everybody's going up top uh and he's throwing it as much as he's ever thrown it you know mm-hmm. and uh um, we lost uh, eifert that had to hurt yeah it's 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 a killer you know but i tell you what boyd boyd's a uh, boyd's on a pace but you know uh, uh boyd's on a 13 uh he's on a 1300 yard pace he's really bailed them uh but eifert is eifert was so effective because he'd get you a nickel you know uh he you get your nickel, and you can do so much off of that. And now, defenses don't go in nickel very much against you know, and, and, and that's something Mixon's going to have to battle on Sunday. You know, uh, I'm sure that the Steelers are going to sneak eight guys in the box when they can. And um, but you know, Schuster and A. B. and Ben, geez, that's just as effective as they've ever been in the past mm-hmm. game. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it could be anything out there, guys. It could be 16 to 10 like it was on November 1 in 2015 down at Hines, or it could be. It could be like, you know, 38-31 when Carson and Ben were shooting it out back in the old 5 at Hines. I, really, I, I would expect to see anything. Butch, do you recall much of Joe Hayden against A.J. Green when Hayden was with Cleveland? Do you remember how those used to go? Yeah, probably Green's toughest opponent. I remember uh, the classic was the opener. Uh, AJ's The first game of A.J.'s life and uh, the, in the league, and uh, didn't, he had one catch 
all game. It won the game. It was a 41-yard. And uh, it was kind of uh, the, the Browns insisted that it was a quick snap that they took advantage of a, uh, you know, with a, with a quick snap that they weren't set. But, uh, you know, that's, that's been a great battle where uh, AJ's, uh, those are the kind of guys that give AJ trouble, long, lean guys, you know. And, uh, but he's also, you know, I think that's kind of like a heavyweight fight. They've each, they've each, uh, they've each left bruises on the other guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that, that's going to, that's going to be fun to watch because that's, uh, to me, that's, uh, that's his, that's AJ's arch nemesis is Hayden. You know, that's a guy that's, uh, really played him well. But AJ's playing terrific too. You know, AJ looks like he's, uh, he, I mean, he looks as good as he's ever been. Uh, Butch, did you enjoy the uh, Sox winning in Yankee Stadium the other night? You know what? It's it's they play so you know I mean you're watching like it's the World Series, but you don't even get a hat if you win the thing. You know, yeah. if you want to send away for a hit, you know, and then and then you get and then you get for the reward. You got to go play Houston. Right. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, they can't really even enjoy it. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it, was, it was it was great, but uh, I can't even. I mean, how the hell do you get a hat now? You don't even get a hat. <laughs> what do you What do you wear? I don't know. I got you know. I mean, so I was so in defiance. I walked around with my 2007 AL Eastern Division hat to play golf yesterday. There you with go. My Jerry, uh, with my Jerry Dulac golf balls. There you. Oh, good. Well, glad you can incorporate those. Uh, Sorry about that. I hope that. I hope that didn't. Hope that doesn't have a problem with sponsors that I said that. Uh, the Jer- no, no, no. We have, we have a problem with Dulac, but not with sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Butch Hobson from Bengals.com. Hey, man, always a pleasure to, to uh, speak with you. appreciate your time this morning. Always great. Really looking forward to it, guys. Thank right. you. We'll see you. I mean, he's the best. Love love Butch. I love that reference to the right tackle. The guy's name's Hart. Bobby Hart. Hey, don't even get a hat. TJ and Gino. Thick New England accent. <laughs> two guys sharing the league lead in sacks going up against one another this weekend. Gino Atkins is playing phenomenal. And Dunlop, Atkins and Dunlop both got big contracts, and they're playing like they're determined to prove they're worth it. This, ah, oh, I am so psyched up for this game. I mean, I, I'm really excited as well. I have been for a couple days now. I, I, I love AFC North. I think people are just coming back to the idea, all right, the Steelers might have got their bleep together yeah. here a little bit, and if Lev comes back, that could be a shot in the ass. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like... Don't say that around Joey Porter. <laughs> 36-year-old guy named Minogahela, Aaron Webb, he's been sell- selling heroin out of his apartment. The problem with that is his apartment is literally right across the street from the police station. Somehow the cops never noticed. Hmm. Even with the constant stream of sketchy people going in and out of the apartment, imagine the pull of of those drugs where people are willing to go into the apartment across the street from the police station. I don't have to imagine it because I knew a kid in high school that lived right across from a police station and sold drugs. Come on. Yeah. He was like, hey, safest place to be. Safest place to be, right behind the cops. I'm like, they can probably hear us. Us? You mean them, Bill? What? (laughs) Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show, and we're uh, always uh, happy to welcome from the NFL Network, Pittsburgher, Dave Damashek. Ladies and gentlemen, he gets a, uh, well, it's a smattering of applause. No, no. That's fine. I'm standing. I'll take it. Shout out. Shout out to everybody on the banks of the Three Rivers. I uh, I trust that all feels a little bit better than it did a week ago. 
fellas, we talked about it. We said we, this is the premise of the 2018 season, and le- at least until 26 is back in the building and sharing a backfield with James Conner, a la the 1976 Steelers, when uh, when Franco and Rocky lined up side-by-side, side, it's a devastating duo, and perhaps that's what we'll see going forward in 2018. But in the meantime, we did discuss it, that now it all rides on the shoulders of number seven. He must step up the first half, I'm sure. It, it shook the weak-minded among us, the, <laughs> the, the weak-gutted among us. But in the last 30 minutes, with the season essentially on the line, Seven did, in fact, rise up, and he found his pal 84 and beyond, and we took care of them Falcons. But that was mere hors d'oeuvre, fellas. Now we go to the Queen City, and Big Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer, must now vanquish Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Andy. 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 Andy, that's what we're afraid of. Oh, but the Bengals are good this year. They're four and one. Look out! They just rallied from down seventeen against against a, a team wearing turquoise. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> he's still Andy, and it's still Marv at the helm there. And uh, you know what? We, we, the, the, we're going to go to the Queen City and remember three years ago, and it's my favorite moment. And you know what? Can I ask you a favor? And as a matter of fact, sure. As soon as we're done here, mm-hmm. as soon as we're done. Can you play? Because it's the greatest moment in, I know, listen, all the Super Bowl rings and there have been, you know, the the Immaculate Reception and Gary Anderson in overtime down in the Astrodome. Um, And so there are many, you know, many magic moments. You're really really digging there, yeah. Well, just, I'm, yeah, I go, because we can run through them endlessly, really. Sure, yeah. Moments as as fans of the Black. San Antonio Holmes in Tampa. There you go. There you James go. James Harrison I, I, in Tampa. Oh, you know, it goes on and on. Willie and on. in Detroit. So my, my, uh, we, we get it, Crawford. Right. <laughs> Please. You know, you, you, you get, you, you're going to have plenty of mic time once I'm off the line. <laughs> my goodness. You find this guy, Bauman. If I may, this isn't the Olympics. I'm not here to compete, you know? <laughs> I always like when the I always like when the substitute teacher threw that line out there. I'm this not here to compete. I'm not here to That's compete. That's a great idea to throw that out to a bunch of eight year olds. They're they're not going to latch onto that and start and, and start doing games the rest of the uh, of the day at school because you called out the Olympics. Anyhow, listen. Here's my point. What I want you to do is, if you'll do me this favor, find not the national call, not Jim Nance calling it. Rather, find the Cincinnati radio broadcast of Vontez Perfect intercepting Landry Jones with 90 seconds left in the most absurd, loco, exciting playoff game that I've ever seen. The Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cincinnati Bungles with A.J. McCarron and Landry Jones and Ben Roethlisberger being pelted by cans of beer by the classy people of Cincinnati and... Uh, Joey Porter running out onto the field, and Mike Munchak pulling Reggie Nelson's hair on the sidelines. Oh, it was just a – you remember that game? That was the all-timer. But, of course, the highlight of all highlights is Vontez Perfect intercepting the ball with 90 seconds to go to apparently to the Queen City uh, denizens to secure victory for their heroes. He gets up and he runs off the field 
with a half dozen of his teammates trailing behind, all wagging number one fingers, even though they've never been number one in anything in their entire <laughs> professional lives. Never mind, no yellow flags. Wait, that's not the lay of game in the middle of the game. Oh, uh, yeah. To, to, you're just allowed to run off the field into the bowels of your stinking stadium? That's a... <laughs> That's not a flex. Never mind. The Steelers go on to to kick a field goal and win the game. The greatest moment is that ball getting intercepted and their play-by-play guy yelling and whatever, but it's it's the analyst going, yeah, yeah. And to know as a Steelers fan that 90 seconds later – Seven has come out onto the field, and with the help of Antez Burfick, concussing number 84, Chris Boswell, when he, remember Chris Boswell when he would make uh, kicks all the time? <laughs> he, uh, he, he drilled it through, and we moved on to the next round, and the Bungles went on to another uh, offseason of shame. Uh, I, that, was, that is my favorite moment in pro football history, and I'll thank you, sir, if you can dig that sound up and play it for the good people on the right side of the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. I mean, uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get our, uh, our crack producer, uh, Joe Rikiki, on, and hopefully he'll be able to, uh, to dig that one out. But I, I do know, you know, look, there's been a little bit of football between these two teams since that time, Dave. And last year, let's not forget, Ryan Shazier, we never thought that guy was going to walk again after that game. So it's going to be one hell of a moment to see him walk out on that field with the team this weekend. Uh, I know it's his goal to play, but for, for many of us, seeing him walk again is just been nothing short of miraculous. Uh, but there were some other big hits in that game. I mean, Juju took Fontes Perfect out. Knocked him out. He's going to have the crosshairs on his chest 19 well this Sunday, won't he? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's really the you know the tale of two football cities that that is that that guy that Vontez Perfect it really is it Andy that you would hold up to be the face of the Bungles or would it be Vontez Perfect and all that uh, that all that holds them back ultimately you know they 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 so desperately wish they were the Pittsburgh Steelers but whereas we have Jack Lambert and Mean Joe Green who definitely crossed some lines. They have Vontez Burfin, who's just you know who's, who's just outright out there committing assault and so on and so forth, <laughs> and ultimately with the suspensions and otherwise holds them back while our legends have gone on to glory. It really defines the two franchises uh, as as much as anything. And the Ryan Shazier, you know, it, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, that, uh, that was a terrible thing to watch, and, and it was hard as a fan to to um, to sort of to care about the the rest of that game but um, yeah, and that was know, a freak play. You know, it wasn't like that was one of the the many uh, just unsettling hard hits of that game. That was just awkward position. You know, head down the the uh, the prone postures. They've been saying now the linear posture that they've been trying to get away from. Uh, so, but I mean, the George Iloka hit on AB in the end zone in that game. Yeah, there were nonstop just. Bone rattling hits throughout that entire well, game. I'll tell you the thing. The thing that uh, the the thing that legitimately uh, presents a little concern for me going into this one is the lack of twenty six. And you know, week to week, we can debate whether or not uh, James Conner. Boy, he didn't inf- you know, infuse a, a little confidence in you after that performance last week. No, Opening he, drive, he, he had seventy seven yards. He definitely did. And who's not excited about James Conner? You know, getting in. I mean, what, what's better? 
um, it, you know, then, then, uh, from the University of Pittsburgh, you know, like, you know, that when he gets introduced and everything, that's, you know, that's about as awesome as it can possibly get. Um, although my father is still wishing he would have heard, uh, from the University of Pittsburgh at quarterback, Dan Marino. He's yeah. still belly aching about that one. But anyhow, <laughs> as I'm sure some other people are in Pittsburgh too, but I'll remind you that if they had drafted Dan Marino, Maybe they would have gone on to some championships, but we don't know. But, of course, if they had had Marino, then they wouldn't have ever uh, probably hired Bill Cowher, and they probably wouldn't have gotten Ben Roethlisberger, and they wouldn't have won the two titles that we've seen them win in this century. But, anyway, that's that's uh, playing butterfly effect stuff. Um, <laughs> but, yes, I, I think that 26, the thing that was – it was hard to watch the game legitimately. It felt like, all right, this is mere football, and now – a young guy is uh, is uh, appears to be seriously, um, you know, injured now, mm-hmm. and and you know, as you watch that, and and then you watched, and as a Steelers fan, and without being cavalier about um, the 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 health of of Ryan Shazier, round about halftime, you, you you felt like, all right, you you hear Tomlin saying the right stuff, and and uh, you know, you're watching the broadcast, and I happen to be watching the game at uh, at the NFL with Ike Taylor and I said, Well it's not looking good, Ike, you know, I forget what the score was. It was it seventeen to three or something like that and I said, Well, they're gonna lose and it's a shame, but who really cares as long as Shay's ears are right and he said, Yeah, we we have to worry about fifty Sheck. But uh but you think the Steelers are gonna lose this game? They're not gonna lose this game and I said, Well come on, Ike, they're they're, they're gonna lose and he said, Sheck, there's no chance the Steelers are gonna lose this game and he meant it. It was not to make uh to make this pot belly loser in Los Angeles watching his Steelers on TV feel better. He meant it, and he knew what he was talking about. And 26, it was Juju's hit on Vontez that got the highlights, but it was 26 embarrassing, just just taking the manhood of the of the Bengals secondary all second half. Remember that? Yeah. Him ru- I mean, he, he ran he over him. Trucked, he trucked Drake or Patrick and beyond. They – by the fourth quarter, they were afraid that uh, really pro football players, outsized superhuman uh, athletes, were getting out of the way because they didn't want anything to do with the guy carrying the ball running at them. He was seeking them out. This is what the Steelers are going to need in a nasty environment against Cincinnati. But we do ultimately have this. When it all comes down, AFC North. Ooh, it's so tightly packed. Ooh, who's going to emerge? Oh, oh, Who's that? You know, well, the Bengals look good this year. And, ooh, you know, the Ravens, oh, they, they, they came into Pittsburgh and they showed us. Ultimately, our winning edge is number seven. We have Roethlisberger. They have mediocrity or abject junk. We got the best. That's got to be the difference. That's how seven wants it. That's what seven showed the Atlanta Falcons last Sunday. And now it's time to go into the Queen City and they can throw all the dumb beer cans they want. It doesn't change the fact that we got the best quarterback in the division and it's time to reclaim our spot. That's the thing. We got, that's what, that's what it is. It's always a reminder. You think you're good, Bengals? You know, you're not our rival. You're the punchline along with your other Ohio pals up north. <laughs> the Ravens are a rival. They're our rival. Stop talking about rivalry, Bengals. You're not our rival. You amuse us like clowns. That's, that's, that's what you give to us. That's what you give us. You get you 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 tickle us with with your with your uh, occasional attempts to to defeat us. You never beat us in a game of significance, and that will never change. 
because, like I already said, you are mere clowns. Go mess with the other team in orange hats from Ohio. We're focused on going to the playoffs and trying to get another ring. You go back to doing whatever you're doing, Andy. I mean, you're calling them clowns, and they got the ginger quarterback who, uh, really, he is just a, a couple of makeup uh, smudges away from looking like an actual clown. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I, I will always, you know, I, it's, I have to say that Andy, I like him a little bit because he, uh, he knocked the bald birdies out of the playoffs last year, so that was fun, too. But uh, that aside, you know, come on. Listen, in NFL terms, I've said this many times before in NHL terms, 66 is greater than, like math in sports gets different than, than other kinds of math. In NHL terms, 66 is indeed greater than 99. And in the NFL, 7 is greater than 14. Remember that. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. On your radio home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. So uh, Dave uh, wanted us to find this call from the Vontez Perfect interception and listening to the Cincinnati announcers act as if they had just won the Super Bowl. And lo and behold, 90 seconds later, they would blow the entire thing. This crowd is in a frenzy. It's a fever pitch. 143 on the clock. First and 10, Pittsburgh down by a point. Landry Jones back to throw from his five over the middle. Perfect! Intercepted! Fontaine Perfect! Fontaine Perfect! Sprinting toward the locker room. He has run inside the locker room, which makes no sense. Oh my god, they were so. Yeah! 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 Yeah. Oh, he forest gumped it! I wish we had the end of that broadcast for them i would love to hear that who is that who is the uh, color commentator it, it's a former bengal and i can't remember which one now it's not it's not muñoz it's, it's like somebody from that era at any rate right boswell kicks the field goal and he's like, no 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 <laughs> my balls was hot yeah all right uh when we come back mike pursuit getting you set for sunday Steelers Bengals also the Penguins with a nice win last night. Feel the thrill with a natural hat trick. Uh Flurry never makes it onto the ice, but the fans wanted to see him. A flurry chant breaks out during the game. They tried to chase him into the game. Yeah. He'll have the uh, full report for you coming up. Plus we got the James Drake uh trio coming up in the coffee house for you. Your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, the pub at Tony Dale. That's in Oakdale. Three dollar sixteen ounce Bud Light drafts during all Steeler games. The pub at Tony Dale is your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. From the Carnegie Science Center Traffic Center. Experience art from around the world at Carnegie International, opening October 13th. DVE Sports. That last uh, little spot there was uh, was just bad radio, is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to our guys. I'm just Joe. kidding, Joe. Uh... Is that, the first, what, is that the first time you've uh, put one of those on? No, no, no. I've heard Joe's voice tons of times. First traffic tag, yeah. All right. Congratulations. Hey, you broke your cherry. <laughs> right now, I'm you on traffic tags. You didn't run on soon. anyone. Exactly. You did the traffic. Matt Mertz. In a few years from now, who knows? That's right. Maybe you'll be talking Work about zero up. res. <laughs> yeah. Work my way up to management.
Mike's got the uh, sports report for you right now on DVE. <laughs> sports is now brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. In a few days, it's going to be the Steelers and the Bengals, a resumption of hostilities in Cincinnati. We have been doing our best all week to get you ready for it. It uh, really needs no introduction, but we've been talking about it all week anyway because that's what we do. Here now is what we do uh, at this time every Friday. That would be uh, get you ready for the upcoming game with uh, – Steelers Bengals in two minute fashion. Largely, when you play these guys, uh, new coordinator or no, uh, you can't let their front control the game. The splash plays that are able to be made up front, they got a talented group. It's just across the board, especially with their D line and that, well, the front seven in general. All of them have played, all of them got experience. And not only, only just that, but they, they have a pedigree of, of just being really good players. There have been two games that they've been down and uh, really admired them coming back from two good football teams, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, getting the things they needed to get done to try to win the football game. So that's what, you know, really impresses me more about them now. That's the finishing team. I think it starts in practice. I think just practicing really aggressive and, and, and practicing full speed because I think in the NFL when you don't get to go on pads each and every day like you do in college, you can kind of get lulled to sleep and that, and that allows you to get lulled to sleep in the game plan and it kind of trickles down. So I think last week we did a good job. We were in pads early on. We were in pads early this week. So I think we have a good um, a good structure that we're just going to try to carry over into the following weeks. Actually, I, I like playing a good perfect man. Um, I think he's a great player. He's physical. He he talks trash, but he does it in the right way. Sometimes it's a little excessive, but when you're a defensive player, it's supposed to be like that. It'd be wise to have Joe follow AJ. Joe's played AJ so many times, he knows his favorite spots. I don't mind following at all. That's something that I look forward to doing, but if that's something that he doesn't have in the plan, then it is what it is. I just go with whatever coach got. My choice, I'll do it every time. So we, we put in some stuff today that uh, we need to get better on, so they heard a few daggummers from me. I know that. And I've had multiple conversations with him and stuff like that. Just about everything and where we're at today and everything that's happened and stuff. And I mean, where he's at mentally, uh, I don't know anybody who could be in the state of mind where he's at mentally. He's in a great place. And I just don't know. I don't think there's too many people who would be in such a great place facing what he was facing. It, it, rightfully so. It's football. Most games are like that. I think that but whenever you play your division, things are a little bit more talked about because you play them again. You know, people say... They see the big hits that happen in the first one, and they kind of ante up for the next time the guys play. So um, I think it's good. Football is about being physical. Nobody understands that better than the AFC North. Oh, Football's man. Football about being physical. Yeah. That was one minute, 59 seconds, and seven-tenths of a second. So we just got that one in under the wire. It's a lot to, lot to cram in the Steelers-Bengals. It's a storied matchup at this point. And yet the Steelers usually win, but it still feels like a rivalry, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like Cleveland. Well, yeah, because nobody comes out clean. Even if you win, you might have injuries. Players get knocked out of the game. I also don't feel like the Steelers are going to be favorites this weekend. I don't know what the line is, but I haven't looked yet either. I'm guessing they'd probably be getting one here going one into this. Two. No, you know what? I, somebody mentioned it to me. I believe they are slight dogs. That makes sense. Yeah given the respective records. But when you go globally with these two teams, which is tough to do because there's so much turnover, this is a different Bengals team in a lot of ways, as Bush Hobson pointed out. But the guys that they have counted on have only become more reliable. Yeah, the one thing I didn't get in there uh, in the two-minute drill was anybody talking about Joe Mixon, but he is a very good running back. He seemed to downplay that. Butch Hobson kind of... Oh, no, I didn't think so. He's he's a dual-threat runner-receiver, and he can run multiple ways. He He can slam it up in there. He can get to the edge and turn it up. And he can even do the Le'Veon Bell. I'm not sure where this is going yet. I think I'm going to stand here for a minute and scope it out. Um, 
that guy's much better than he was last year. He's a garbage human being, too. Well, Very easy to root against a guy. He's a good, he's a good running back. Um, A.J. Green, I think we all expect Joe Hayden to follow A.J. Green. They haven't officially uh, announced that. But Not a garbage human being. Be stunned if that didn't happen. <laughs> and uh, Marquise Pouncey saying nice things about Vontez Perfect took me by surprise. Those guys year. always do. I don't get that stuff. I mean, Ramon Foster has had some pretty choice words yes, for Perfect has. over the He'll years. He'll get his, I believe, was the line a couple of years ago. Vince Williams said he was going to paint him on site. Yeah. Not sure what that means. No, don't think that's happened yet. Well, don't. you ever uh, color me mine? Mm-hmm. It's like a thing that everybody does. Oh, now. well, that, that sounds like a fun talking. afternoon. Yeah, there's a lot of them in South mm-hmm. Beach. And although Ryan Shazier's not going to be playing this week, I think standing on that sideline is going to be a victorious moment for him. Oh, I agree. I hope, I hope Much get, bigger than the game. I hope when he gets out there, he takes a minute and looks around and says, I am on the road to recovery, I don't and think I'm going to get there. Ben's not going to have the luxury of having a half to warm up. And you might not be able to count on the uh, Bengals bungling it up at crunch time. You might actually have to win this one. Come Pe- out and run the ball. Run Pe- the ball. Penguinos last night get the Hattie from uh, Phil the Thrill. His first as a Penguin. I th- That kind of surprised me and his first three goals of the season and they came in succession 803 of the first that made it 1 1 937 of the second that made it 2 to 1 and 1543 of the second that made it 3 to 1 jink Gensel added one late in the second period for a 4 1 penguins lead vegas got uh, back within two midway through the third but casey DeSmith also a starring role last night uh 35 saves on 37 shots. Several of the spectacular variety. Pens are in Montreal Saturday night. Temple of the Dog, Hunger Strike. James Drake Trio in the Coffee House next hour. DVE. The Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge is back at DVE.com. Are you playing? Yeah, I am. Week six, you can win a pair of tickets to the Steelers-Cleveland Browns game. Who do you like at uh, running back this week? Not Joe Mixon. There you go. That was Not Joe Mixon. $50 sheets gift card plus tickets to the uh, Steelers-Browns game on the 28th. Go to dve.com for rules and registration. You must submit a lineup by 12.55 Sunday, October 14th. The Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge is back at dve.com. Coffee I like House. Kareem Hunt. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. That's going to be a good game. Sunday Night Football. Kansas City. Pats and, uh, and Pats. the uh, Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Drake, Chris Taylor trio in the coffee house. I don't know if that means there's six of them or if there's two of them and it's a play on words. I mean, that's, tune in and find out, folks. It's the DVE morning show. It's scary, spooky houses season. You, you going to do the scare house this year? I know Mikey and Bob dressed up and did the uh, they did whatever room last night. Yeah, I did. I did Fright Night this year at Kennywood. That not, was fun. Not the same. Not the same at all. No. But uh, they dressed me up and let me run around the park. Yeah, I saw that. That, your, that was fun. Your costume. You've been dressed up twice this month. Have I? Yeah. The oh. Steelers fashion show. Yeah. David S. Pump Yins. <laughs> that sounds like such a bad name. Pump Yins. You know it would be super scary in the scare. They should just get uh, uh, Donald Whirl to show up there and just walk into one room and he's like, ah! he just turns around and does it. Like, I can't see anything. You know... People always talk about what's on Netflix or have you watched this show? Does it make you crazy when your friends who are couples do that thing where they have like the one brain when talking about them? Yes. Like instead of 
speaking for themselves. They're like, oh, yeah, we watched that. Oh, we haven't watched that yet. Oh, we love that place. That's a good, oh, we love that restaurant. That's one of our favorites. Do you like that? Or are you jealous of those people? Well, as annoying as it is, according to a new study out of the University of California, Riverside, it's actually one of the top signs that they're a good couple. Aww. Aww. The researchers found that couples who did a lot of we talk or us talk were happier with each other and in healthier relationships than people who didn't. We talk is an indicator of (laughs) interdependence and general positivity in romantic relationships. It indicates positive functioning overall, the report states. Hey. And if you're not a we talk couple, they say, if you suck it up and start, it might help improve your relationship. So you can fake it till you make it. That was in psychology today. Fake it till you make it, they say, Bill. I've known that for years. Here's the thing. I think girls always do that. And guys very rarely do. So I think it's whether the guy does it. Because the girl always does, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, I think so. I think girls will do that if they're just dating a guy. Oh, we love that show. Hmm. The guy will be like, it's just sweet business. Do we? <laughs> it's a little bit of a red flag. <laughs> or he's way into it, and then he jumps in. Yes, we do. You know those people. You know people who are, there's people who are very happy together, Bill, who enjoy being that like-minded brain. They like being the one brain. Do they? Some people do. Hmm. Who are these people? I don't know, but they watch shows together. And in other couple news, copulation news, uh, scientists have figured out the face you make when you're in pain is not the same face you make when you are uh, at your happiest moment, if you know what I mean. That seems like a waste of money, this study. Probably. The researchers found the pain face involves a lower brow raised cheeks, a wrinkled nose, and your lips stretching out. Ah! (laughs) Dude, I hope that... uh, Which face were you doing there? I don't want to know. That's up for you to decide. Your O face has tighter brows, closed eyes, and either a drop jaw or a slight smile. So there you Ah! go. There, you could be in the scare house just doing your O-Face. That was terrifying. <laughs> Bill's O-Face room. You just walk in, Bill's going, ah! Ah! <laughs> That was horrifying. Good Lord. <laughs> the house of O-Faces. I mean, how long did they do that study for? Well, it like, depends which de- one. <laughs> one of them probably... One lasted a long time. One lasted a long time. Ah. And the- Ah, we haven't done the study yet. Sorry. <laughs> ah, sorry. I skinned my knee on the way in. We're going to have to bang your hand with a mallet again. Yeah, I would hope they wouldn't be the same. They're two distinctly different things. I mean, what, what kind of geek argument were they having where they're like, no, no, no. We Okay, we have to do a study to determine the winner here. Somebody just threw that out there. I don't know. That was that was uh, MedExpress did that study. Aren't they the place that you walk into when you need urgent care? See what happens yes. if Val's not here? We don't parse through the stories. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> but if you ever want to see somebody in pain without actually, you know, getting hurt, mm-hmm. 
Just watch any white person running. <laughs> Why does it got to be a white person, Bill? Because that's who I usually see running. <laughs> okay. And they look like they're in a lot of pain. Oh, that is the... Oh. That face. That is the face of pure pain. I, uh, I When I see a, a bigger person jogging, I'm always like... I, I'm I want to root for them. Yeah. And I want to roll down the window and be like, keep going. Yeah. But then I figure that's the most patronizing thing you could ever do. But at the same time right. I want to be like, go. But then it'll like to them they're like, no. hey, go, Fetty. Hey. Well, well like, that's you can't, you can't well don't say that. I know. Well that's what I'm saying is I think they hey, hear it like that. I'm proud of you, Fatty. <laughs> no, Fatty should not be in there. That's what I'm saying. Unless, You're doing so good, no, Fatty. No, keep that, doing this and you won't be so fat, <laughs> Fatty. No. no. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you know what I mean? How you want to yes. be like, you want to encourage them, you'd be like, just thumbs up or something. And you know, they're like, oh, F you. Because now I consider myself a runner. So when I see people running, I want to give them the applause. But then I realize that it's sort of like whenever um, Serena was pregnant, mm -hmm. I would walk around when I wasn't with her and see people that were pregnant and make the face like, oh, that is nice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, they don't know that anybody I'm with is pregnant, so now I just look like a creepy guy in a supermarket Kinda. who's smiling at their belly. Right. Oh. Yeah, nice belly there, fatty. It almost would be nice if you could wear a shirt that says <laughs> my wife's pregnant or something. Yeah. So you didn't see- I'm not a creep. Yeah. My wife is pregnant. Oh. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about that. I mean, I don't do it, so can I rub your belly? <laughs> like, have I'm you, not pregnant. <laughs> have you ever like made a face where you go, you know what? I got to just, I got to stop making that face. Uh, yeah, I do this thing most where I- every picture I take. Yeah. Where you see yourself in a picture and you go, what was I doing there? Mm -hmm. Like, you think you look one way and then you see a picture of it and you go, what? I can't make that face anymore. Uh, well, we take lots of pictures in the studio with guests and stuff like that, and uh, I, I just I, I'm working on it, Bill. I take it, I use a different face every time. That's just do you, I don't have a constant game plan. Do you? I'm practice? like Chris Boswell well, right now. Practice. I don't have a consistent go-to. There's a flaw start, in yeah. my in my uh, my approach here. You know, in there's your face game. My mechanics are all off. So, how much do you practice though? The, I never. Probably never. And that's probably a good thing, right? That I don't sit home and practice so. my face. I think you should start practicing. Do you practice your face? Uh, I do. You do. I know you do. I do. So. And it still doesn't work. <laughs> I need coaching. <laughs> face coach. All right. Well, we'll try to get it for you next hour. We have the James Drake, Chris Trailer, Taylor trio next hour in the coffee house. Uh, also, uh, Mike proceeded with your sports pens with a nice win last night. Phil the Thrill gets the hat trick. It was great to see Flurry with Potash in between periods, and he gave uh, Potash the old uh, nut shot on the way out. Gave his undercarriage a little, how's your father? Gave a little, <laughs> how's your father? My balls were hot. Wha-bam! He just slapped him on the way out of there. That was funny. Uh, and uh, in addition to that, of course, Mike's preamble to Sunday's kickoff, 1 o'clock here on DVE. Berg. Fellas, we talked about it. We said we, this is the premise of the 2018 season, and le at least until 26 is back in the building and sharing a backfield with James Conner. But in the meantime, we did discuss it, that now it all rides on the shoulders of number seven. He must step up the first half, I'm sure. It, it shook 
the weak minded among us, the, the, the weak gutted among us. But in the last 30 minutes, with the season essentially on the line, Seven did in fact rise up, and he found his pal 84 and beyond, and we took care of them Falcons. But that was mere hors d'oeuvre, fellas. Now we go yeah. to the Queen City, and Big Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer, must now vanquish Andy. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning mm-hmm. Show. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network on the show earlier this morning. It's always a pleasure to talk with Sheck. It's great. He always He's gets you always psyched. Great. And I have to apologize to Sheck for trying to uh, take some of his stage time. <laughs> that was very rude of me. Uh, you're fine. But he put me in my place. Well, you know, Sheck is, uh, you know, he... Has a limited amount of time to get all of that angst out. I I love his segment, man. Oh, it's the best. He works himself up into a lather, and it's just fun to sit there and listen. Well, the funny thing is, is we kind of Bill and I spend a couple of minutes catching up with him usually on the, you know, before we go live with it, and he's uh, not in that same emotional state usually. We're just very low key, and then as soon as he starts talking Steelers, he goes off. <laughs> get so upset. All right, the temperature's it's dropped fantastic. 30 degrees in the last three days. Here's the uh, weather from uh, uh, Bridgeville Appliance. Currently 47 at DVE. Val uh, off today. She'll be back on Monday. Sad news to start a crew member on the biographical film about Fred Rogers has died after he fell two stories from a Mount Lebanon apartment building Thursday night. James Emsweller, a 61-year-old sound mixer from the Pittsburgh area, took a smoke break between filming scenes for You Are My Friend on Shady Drive when others nearby said they heard a noise and discovered he had fallen from a balcony, police said. Police said Emsweller may have suffered a medical emergency that caused him to fall. Emsweller was initially taken to UPMC Mercy in serious condition. The police chief later said the situation worsened. His condition became critical. Emsweller died about 8.30 p.m. at the hospital. Filming stopped for the night as police investigated. Oh, that's awful. A Swiss Vale barber is charged with selling crack cocaine. At the barbershop where he worked, Brian Smith is accused of selling the drugs at Cut in Play on Washington Ave. Cut in Play. Play on words. Like kid in play. Kid in play. Cut in play. Kind of... Putting yourself in a corner there, though, right? A little bit. Yeah, they only give really high boxes there. It's a kid and play reference. Cut and snort. Between uh, haircuts, apparently, he would go outside and sell drugs. Yeah. Which, as I said earlier, at least it was safety first. You know, he wasn't doing it with the scissors or the clippers in his hand. That's right. And he wasn't using his own product, thank God. Because then everybody would have got buzz cuts. <laughs> Sheets gets the okay for beer and wine in Monongahela. The Monongahela Council gave its approval for Sheets unanimously Wednesday to allow the transfer of a restaurant liquor license from Burgettstown to the 100 block of East Main Street store. So, no Coke yet, just beer and wine, no haircuts. Or crack cocaine. Part of the front of the store will be expanded to allow for a large walk-in cooler. How about that? That's beautiful. Prepare to get (laughs) sheet-faced. Have a schmink. I'm schmammered. 
Kanye West has designed his own version of President Trump's iconic Make America Great a Hat. Uh, a great Again hat. The hat him. What it? Put the hat. The rapper who just finished being the executive producer for the Pornhub Awards spent the day in the Oval Office yesterday along with Kid Rock and a few others. And he said... It's like a festival in there. The hat he presented the president just said, make America great. He said later while speaking at an Apple store in Washington, D.C., it's because he does not believe America has ever really been great. He also gave one to Ivanka Trump during the visit that said, make Earth great again. That's nice. Listen, America, I'm going to let you finish, but I just want to say Belgium is the greatest country of all time. <laughs> Make Earth great again. That's that's nice. He doesn't believe Earth was ever good. Earth has never been that great. He gave another to Jared Kushner that said, travel space again. West praised Trump and touched on a myriad of topics during the sit-down, including the 13th Amendment, his own bipolar disorder, sleep disorder, illegal guns, jobs, strong male role models, Saturday Night Live, no mention of Tropical Storm battering the southern states, Puerto Rico, the American journalist killed in Saudi Arabia, or the stock market plummeting. They managed to avoid talking about any of those things. He shared some of his own ideas with the president, including bringing Trump to factories in Chicago uh, and having Apple build Trump an iPlane to replace the Air Force One that he currently flies on. Are we all on acid? And, uh, well, look, this had to take precedence, Bill. All right? This was important. Sure, you may think there were a lot of other things that should have come first yesterday, but hey, hey, iPlane, okay? The iPlane. And then you have to upgrade it every year, of course, but still, great idea. It was like he was doing stream of consciousness spoken word. Like, just rambling, lucid. Illucid. I mean, fever dreams. He is, uh, I mean, he's mentally ill. No, he's misdiagnosed. He had sleep-deprived induced dementia. Did he sound which like Which is a, apparently a, a thing. Did he self-diagnosed? <laughs> and he also told Trump that he thinks that he and Colin Kaepernick should wear Make America Great Again hats next year at the Super Bowl, which would be nice just to see the two of them holding hands. I think Kanye needs to go to the doctor. Dr. Dre. Just talk to him. <laughs> He's the doctor for all the rappers. How do you feel about the hologram tours? Um, I feel like it's going to be a, a thing that we all need to get used to because it's going to be more and more prevalent. It terrifies me because here's why. You know, Trump has already said that, you know, maybe I'll be president for life one day. And uh, if holograms take off, I mean, he'll be president forever. It'll never not be him. It'll just be the hologram. Amy Winehouse launching a tour. Her estate hmm. is taking out a digitalized version of The Late Singer. And they're going to be doing arenas? Come on. Who's going to pay people, to see? People love her music. I'll, oh, no, her music's great. see her. A live band, live singers, accompanied by a hologram, Amy Winehouse. I, 
I think that's gonna you're gonna see it catching on as soon as they can make it somewhat cost efficient. It's going to be cheaper than uh, the people going out and touring. They're gonna start doing it with people that aren't dead. Foreigner, I think, is doing it right now. <laughs> they're gonna just start doing it because they're like, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to tour and people would still pay to come see the hologram? Gallagher too. Go ahead. Well, Ozzy uh, might want to consider getting a hologrammed hand because his infected right hand has caused him to have to cancel the rest of his tour. The final four shows of his No More Tours to North American track canceled now. Doctor saying the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee needs more surgery to treat, to treat multiple infections on that hand. This is crazy. How the hell did this happen? I don't know. Four canceled shows were scheduled in three California cities. Mountain View, Chula Vista, Los Angeles, plus Las Vegas. So those are all uh, canceled. They'll be I love how I answered that like you were actually asking me. Yeah, it was, How'd it, this happen? I don't know. It was kind of rhetorical. I don't know. All tickets honored for the rescheduled dates. And yesterday we told you about Lindsey Buckingham giving the interview to Rolling Stone saying how he got fired from Fleetwood Mac because Stevie Nicks was like, it's him or me. I want him gone. He smirked. I saw him smirk. She, yeah. Get out of the band. She saw him smirk while she was thanking the audience. And that was it. After they had quarreled about using Rhiannon as their, uh, I don't, they said introduction music. I wonder if they meant he meant opener for the night. I don't know. He talked to David Fricky from Rolling Stone, and now he says he is suing Fleetwood Mac over the band's decision to fire him in January. The lawsuit filed Tuesday in L.A. alleges breach of fiduciary duty and breach of oral contract, among other charges. The suit also claims Buckingham asked the band to postpone their tour for three months so he could go do some solo shows. He also alleges plans were in place to play 60 shows across North America that would earn them each 12 to $14 million when he was fired without warning. Phone call. Sean McDowell uh, reminding me yesterday, Irving Azoff, the guy who made that call and fired him, the Eagles manager, one of the most despicable people in show business history, whom Don Henley said, he's Satan but he's our Satan. How about that? How sweet. He probably got a kick out of firing Lindsey Buckingham, who is kind of a, not the easiest guy to deal with from what uh, what we've always heard. Is he a jerk? I mean, he kind of looks like the Grinch without makeup. He looks like Art Garfunkel's little brother. He does. Yeah, he kind of does. Like if somebody ironed Art Garfunkel's face. <laughs> he looks like he has that same, like... <laughs> a bunch of ice fell on his head hairdo. <laughs> like like snow piled up on top yeah. of it. It's like, dude, you have a pyramid of hair. How did that happen? And I'm weird. It's a drift. You know, Art, drift. Art Garfunkel's was a... Uh, it was a... If you say it was a wig, I'm waving. It was. And I, I, I know this limo driver in Pittsburgh that had to pick him up from the airport one time when he was doing one of those Allegheny County shows, you know, like out at Hartwood or something. And they lost his hairpiece. No. Yeah. So he freaked what, out. What, he checked that thing? Yeah. Check. Why wouldn't he fly with it? Because what are you going to do? Carry it on and then people are like, you know. Well, no, you you, you I mean, you wear it on your head. Are uh, you talking about a backup hairpiece? No, I mean, it was his go-to. It was his number one. It was his stage piece. Yeah, uh, you got to wear that. He lost it. He freaked out. They had to call the airline. He, ended, he wouldn't go on without his hairpiece. 
I can understand why. Do you remember when everyone used to wear toupees? Remember when Burt Reynolds, I mean, he did decades with a toupee. Terry Bradshaw, when he first got into TV, had a flipping raccoon on his head. He had a huge toupee. I always felt bad for like the guys who had to get a toupee on a budget. Oh, yeah. And it was a totally different color than the rest of their hair. Uh, I'm going to be a little uh, uh, stereotypical here uh, towards your uh, your uh, your heritage, and just say it seemed to me like a lot of old Italian guys were way into that. Yes, and like that was part of the old Italian guy culture. They would be gray as all get out everywhere, and they would have this like Lego piece of hair, jet black. Jet black on top of their head. And it was like they had it sitting on the mannequin and they brushed it back and put gel in it. <laughs> and that's the thing. It would look like Frank Vincent's hair, you know, thick, combed back, like not even trying to screw around. Like, no, I never lost a hair on my head since I was 12 years old hair. Right. Not like a gradual like, oh, that's a nice complimentary piece to make you look not completely Ted Danson-ish bald you know, and, in the back. And so black. It's like the, your hair, is, no hair has ever been that color. No. All right, fine. Part of me wishes it was coming back. I wish I could just put on a different hair for the night. I would, if I had a wig, I would never take it off when I traveled. That is something you carry on. Art Garfunkel, I, I think... You don't check your wig! I think, if I remember correctly, he performed that show in a hat. People will definitely remember it. But I think it was at Hartwood. Did they, he have to get one of those hats where there's hair coming out of they, the back of it? They gave like him the, a Palomalu wig? Yeah, they gave him the Palomalu. <laughs> That'd be great. Who else has one? Guy Fieri uh, wig. He comes out in a Guy Fieri hat. <laughs> like a brick. Guys, I can't do minute. this! This isn't the type of hair you had. Paul Simon's always had a bad thing going on up there. Who's the He's guy the musical who had guest the big this weekend on SNL, by the way? Um, Adam Duritz. Yes, County Crows. That's a wig. The side sideshow Bob hair, total wig, hundred percent. He puts puts that's, it on. That's crazy to me because that's got to be that's got to be an expensive one. There is a that's a that's a dense wig. Well, and it's iconic. He can't not have it. I yeah, one time saw kind of like the edges sunglasses or Bono sunglasses and the, the edge edges, was smart. The hat that was a smart move though. Yeah. He went with hats early so that he could just. Hmm, now you're the hat guy. He was probably balding as a young man, right? He, so he did. He's like, I'll be the Mike Nesmith of you too. Mm-hmm. I'll always have a hat. <laughs> but I saw a Doors cover band one time. I think they were called the Back Doors, and Ew. the Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a cover, but wait a I'm not sure. Where, wait where a minute. You? Different story altogether. This is a different Art Garfunkel story. Were you now, at the Blue Oyster Bar? Honestly, the Blue Oyster Bar joke was one of the funniest music jokes ever. Every time that damn song played, it made me laugh hysterically. <laughs> It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. We, we'll have to do a Police Academy Day. We'll do like Steve Gutenberg Day again. Remember when we got him? He was he was, uh, he was was close. So close. Because Kreischer was on the show, and we almost got Steve Gutenberg to agree to a Steve Gutenberg Day. He 
was in some movie that was kind of like Sharknado. Oh, I know what it was. It was Sharknado Love, too. It was Lavalantula. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like lo- like a volcano exploded with tarantulas or something. <laughs> Mahoney did it again. Oh my god. That's so funny. So the back doors story, just real quick. Okay, the Jim Morrison guy had a had a wig on. He took a break, but the band kept playing. They're like, "We're gonna do some Cream songs now." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, what the? F- you can't, dude. You're the Doors cover band. You can't just start playing." And they're like, "No, Chancel we're also the hand creams. And then <laughs> I look at the back, and the Jim Morrison guy took off his wig. And he was like brushing the sweat off. He's like, oh, he was like all hot. And he like chugged a Budweiser. And I'm like, I feel so gypped right now. I paid to see a Doors cover band and they quit playing Doors music. They didn't know enough. And the, the guy took his wig off. When you have the wig, like, is it on just bare scalp or do you have like a carpet no, pad? No, he had like a net. Yeah. And then, you know, I, that's a good idea because then you can switch around the gym roll every day. Do you night, have tack strips? How I do don't. They, Not on my wig. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to. You got to get a pro to put that on. All right. It's time to go to the coffee house. Uh, <laughs> what a terrible lead-in. I know. I feel bad. <laughs> James Drakes and the Chris Taylor Trio CT3 joining us right now. James, Chris, Jonathan, and Tom. How you guys doing up there? Good, Randy. How you doing? All right, all right, all right. So tomorrow, you guys are playing Wiggle Whiskey in the Barrel House. That's such a cool venue. Yeah, it is. Really looking forward to it. It's actually part of a big music festival called the Follow These Rivers Music Festival that we actually founded. Oh, cool. So we're looking forward to it. So you have thrown a music festival that is happening tomorrow. Correct. That's it. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Who's all on the the, uh, bill? We got uh, 19 bands this year. Um, So it's an ambitious start. Holy cow. Is this your first time doing this it is yeah so it's kind of stupidity but uh we went big no that's that's awesome where are all the bands playing so we have three different stages set up at the barrel house there'll be an outstate outside stage uh one in the barrel house and a smaller acoustic stage so we'll have bands rotating constantly throughout the day from noon to nine tomorrow all right is there a website people there is can go to? ftrfest.com Oh, that's that's great. FTRfest.com. Great fall day to go out and watch some music. And uh, All right, well, very cool. So what do you guys have for us here? Uh, this is a song off our album we released last year. It's called Roll. All right, so you can catch you him tomorrow it. at Wiggle Whiskey. He's part of the FTR Fest. Follow These Rivers Festival. Here they are now for you. James Drakes and the Chris Taylor Trio on DVE.
DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit with your sports right now, getting set for Steelers Bengals on Sunday. And I am, you know, after talking with Butch Hobson and Dave Damashek earlier this morning, I'm super psyched for this game. Yeah, it's another uh, AFC North showdown, and uh, we get those periodically through the football season, and they are much anticipated events. This one, certainly no exception. I wanted to uh, revisit uh, our chat with Butch Hobson today of CincinnatiBengals.com and talk a little bit about the respective running games. Uh, We've talked to Butch a lot over the years because he's been doing this a long time and he's really good at what he does. And he's got Steelers-Bengals figured out. Uh, It's not going to be maybe as much about Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Andy Dalton, and A.J. Green as it will be about James Conner and Joe Mixon. Well, I love James Conner. The guy, he's to me, he's, uh, he's a hell of a young back. And Pittsburgh, uh, and Mike knows this, Pittsburgh always is going to do what Pittsburgh always does when they come into Paul Brown Stadium. And they're going to assert themselves at the line of scrimmage, and they're going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh says, we're going to run the ball. The Bengals say, we'd like to run the ball. To me, that's been the difference in the series mm-hmm. for a long time. And I, there's no doubt in my mind after what Pittsburgh did last week to get that they kind of got things back on the rails given it to Connor, I would expect the same thing today, and the Bengals will have to. To me, the stat will be if they if they stop Connor in the run game. If they don't, it's a long day. If they do, they get a shot. As Butch has been given that assessment for a number of years because it's true. Uh, we'll have him on the pregame mm-hmm. show Sunday from Cincinnati. He'll probably say the same thing. Uh, it It is worth repeating, and in particular, not only uh, you know the type of game this is, you want to set a physical tone. You want those those linemen firing out. You want James Conner running guys over. Right. But you also want to keep that pass rush at bay. Cincinnati can really rush the passer. And that defensive line can wreck the game if you let it. And the more opportunities it has, that's that's not good for the Steelers. You don't want to be throwing 40 times in this one because they're going to get in there. They're going to bat a ball. They're going to knock it out of Roethlisberger's hand. Uh, something bad is going to happen if you let those guys just tee off. An ancillary effect of them burying this in a 1 o'clock matchup instead of putting it on prime time is that it will hide one of the games this weekend that will harken back to the time that a lot of people are yearning for in the NFL. Hard-hitting, run, pr- more than likely... Lawlessness. Running attacks, uh, emphasize. Take your head off football. Just looking to to lay the biggest hit possible it, <laughs> it kind of I don't know how they're going to you know as Mike Tomlin said in the press conference this week as we've talked about at infinitum this week how are they going to police this game I think a lot of stuff is going to be let go I, they're going to let them play I think only the truly egregious acts are going to get penalized yeah otherwise they're going to be throwing the flag all day all day and I don't think they want that either I I, I get where the NFL's headed, and I understand the emphasis on this stuff and how it's, you know, they're they're trying to change policy. But some days you just gotta, you know, some as they say in rodeo, sometimes you get a horse that can't be rode, and I think this one just keep it, you know, to misdemeanors and penalized felonies. It's almost like they need to have a pregame summit with gang leaders, like, oh right. yeah. You promise not to try to shank this guy? Can you dig it? There needs to be a summit like in the beginning of Warriors. Osiris. But the problem with that is, I mean, I don't trust Perfect. And I know he's, you know, doesn't. (laughs) Why would you? 
I just think if he has a chance to assault Juju outside of the bounds of the game, he'll do it. I wouldn't line Juju up in the slot in this game. I wouldn't have him running. He's very effective. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. yeah, that's what he does. Oof. That's what Antonio Brown does. I could see him get taking a, a crucial, brutal hit away from play. You know, like, I wish without the ball. I wish LJ Fort wasn't hurt because I would like to see if they could kind of switch off with him and Vince in Vince's first week back. Because I thought they were very effective when LJ was in there. They were. Um, back to the running game for just a second. I want to talk about uh, the Bengals guy, Joe Mixon. It was interesting to hear Butch Hobson praising James Conner. You wonder what people outside of Pittsburgh think of him. Uh, Joe Mixon is uh, he's Le'Veon Bell light. He plays a similar game with a similar style, and he is similarly effective. Uh, here's Butch Hobson talking about Mixon. He's our Le'Veon Bell. He's a different type of back than Le'Veon, but he's, to me, I always thought that A.J. and Le'Veon Bell were the two best, and, and Brown were the three best players in the division. And um, right now, if you can give Mixon a Le'Veon, I mean, if you can give A.J. Green a Le'Veon Bell-like guy and Mixon, you know, that kind of, that, that's, that kind of, it doesn't shift the balance of power, but it certainly evens things out. And Mixon is a, uh, Mixon's a hell of a weapon because as terrific as he is running the ball, he's a great pass receiver. The guy has got great instincts in the pass game. Uh, he, he, his 18-yard his touchdown catch off of Andy's scramble, which was a terrific play on both ends, turned the tide of that game. I mean, he grinded it out. I mean, I think he went uh, – he got 90 yards rushing, but the play of the day was his, was his touchdown catch. So he's terrific in both areas. Now he's talking about a play against Miami last Sunday, 18-yard touchdown pass. Dalton was under great duress and, and and was just shifty enough in the pocket. He was being hit as he threw the ball and dragged down, and he kind of threw a floater. This was not uh, throw it on the break and hit it into a tight window. He mm-hmm. kind of threw it up for grabs, and Mixon was uh, being covered by Kiko Alonso, a linebacker, and he just adjusted to where the ball was, and he adjusted better than the linebacker did, and he found it caught it and, and got it in the end zone. Uh, on the ground, he's carried 60 times for 272 yards, a 4.5 average. If they establish the run, then you're going to have a problem no matter who's on A.J. Green. And uh, the underrated aspect of what the Steelers' defense did last week, we are also excited that they got to the passer and T.J. Watt got sacks again and they had it covered on the back end and they were communicating. They stopped the run and that took away one of Matt Ryan's favorite things to play action bootleg. So it, yeah. don't let the Bengals run the ball on you. The, the The December game last year was an exception. Cincinnati outrushed Pittsburgh 130 to 92. Steelers were down 17 nothing in that one, and they came uh, storming back. But uh, usually, you go in and establish the run in this one, and then everything kind of falls into place from there. So I, we've been talking all year about the Steelers. Hey, it's going to be an over game. You know, they're, they're going to score a ton and they're going to give up a ton. I don't know. I don't know if this one fits that narrative. Pens last night get a win, fill the throw with a natural hat trick, and they get a 4-2 victory. Gensel gets the fourth one, and uh, Casey DeSmith with a pretty decent evening. Yeah, Mike Smith said, he, excuse me, Mike Sullivan said he was the best player on the ice. Oh, that's good to and hear. He, he might have been right. Uh, 35 saves on 37 shots. Not uh, one that the Penguins are going to send to the Hockey Hall of Fame in terms of uh, tape of this is how the game should be played, but they did rally, <laughs> rallied from an early deficit and didn't give up a ton of goals, so that's good. That's progress. Two out of three at home to start the season. Uh, They're in Montreal on Saturday night. 
All right. Um, Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week is the Pub at Tony Dale. $3, 16-ounce Bud Light drafts during all Steeler games. Want to remind you of that. The Pub, Tony Dale. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. More from uh, James Drake and the Chris Taylor Trio coming up. Calm. Good. You want to stand? Here, Bill. Bill wants to do this. The show standing. No, that's fine. Do you mind? Nope. Happy to do it. Good. Okay. This feels dumb. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Back up to the coffee house for James Drakes and the Chris Taylor Trio. They're performing at the Follow These Rivers Festival tomorrow over on Spring Garden Ave there, Wiggle Whiskey, and it's an all-day festival. Follow These Rivers Festival, FTRFest.com. What do you guys have for us here? This is another song off our album from last year. It's called Quarter. Quarter. Here they are one more time. James Drakes and the Chris Taylor Trio.
play my next quarter. Yeah! Nice. James Drake's in the CT3. Catch him at the uh, Follow These Rivers Festival, FTFFest.com. Thanks for having us. You take it. Thanks for, uh, for for being here this morning. It sounded great. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Bill. Sit I thought down. we weren't. Sta- uh, you were standing. Well, I just stood for I a second while you were standing. I was adjusting, and now I'm the only one standing. Yeah. Just don't kneel. Well, sit or stand. Why are you about to sing the anthem? I am, in a All manner right. of speaking. Now I'm dancing. Now you're kneeling. All right, uh, let's. <laughs> Good thing for me, I have knee pads on. Good thing for always do. Safety first. Well, safety will not exactly be at the forefront on Sunday when the Steelers and the Bengals go head to head, probably literally over and over and over again. Mike Pursuit of getting you ready for the slobber knocker that is Steelers. Bengals. The question had been put to Danny Smith after Chris Boswell had gone two for two on field goal attempts against the Ravens. Had the uncharacteristically inaccurate kicker's missteps finally been fixed? The Steelers special teams coordinator stopped working the wad of gum in his mouth long enough (laughs) to offer up a non-definitive, we'll see. Man, this whole business is week to week, Smith added. It has been for the Steelers this season, one that began with the Steelers somehow finding a way not to win in Cleveland. Next, they got waxed by Kansas City before seemingly riding the ship in Tampa, only to take a step back against Baltimore. Anyone else sensing a trend? What happened last Sunday against Atlanta, a performance that was at the very least encouraging and at the very most season-altering, has an asterisk attached. Sure, they did it once, but anybody can hit the lottery. Can the Steelers do it again against the Bengals? Can Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown do for four quarters in Cincinnati what they did in the second half against Atlanta? Is James Conner the back who has rumbled for over 100 yards twice this season or the one who was predominantly a non-factor during the three games in between? Can the offensive and defensive lines dominate again or will they be pushed around as had been the case against the Ravens? Have they finally figured out communication and coverage? Can Jordan Berry punt after all? (laughs) The questions still hang in the air around this team like an ill-advised Roethlisberger lob into the end zone. A win today won't resolve all of the Steelers' issues, but it would provide some much-needed clarity and deliver some so-far elusive traction. Are you ready for some football? Paul Brown Stadium has always been a version of the friendly confines as far as the Steelers are concerned. They haven't lost at PVS since 2013, an occurrence that's happened just three times overall since the facility's opening in 2000. But rarely have the Steelers arrived, lacking an identity and a track record on tape as evidence. Who day isn't a question they're asking only in Cincinnati these days. It's time for the Steelers to provide some answers and to let Danny Smith enjoy his chewing gum in peace for at least another week. Yeah, Mike, can you set Steelers Bengals? Let's go. Sunday, 1 o'clock.
Humming. So this is the original one. This is good. It's like 74. Seventy-two. This was. Wow, that sounds terrible. But all right, uh, oh, that sounds great. What are you talking? Uh, about? Not it's a great rig. I don't know what you're talking here. about. That's the best thing I ever heard. That song's perfect. Thanks to Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com. It's a little up and down, I thought. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network and uh, James Drake and CT3 follow these rivers fest this weekend. 9 a.m. We start the pregame for Sunday's kickoff. A one o'clock. At Paul Brown Stadium. How do they not have a sponsor? Hasn't that turned into like Verizon? They, they want it named after Paul Brown. I actually admire that. I admire it too. It could make a lot of money. The uh, honoring Paul Brown is more important than uh, a couple 30 million bucks. Well, and if there's one thing we know about Dan Rooney, he would hate to have a stadium named after him. He would hate if it were Dan Rooney Stadium. Art Rooney probably would like it. Well, you know, there used to be Tiger Stadium, Connie Mack Stadium. I know. Three Rivers Stadium. Well, what? Look, there's a lot of money there. Now it's Jello Banana Pops Field. And, right. AT&T. You know. Really? They're not making enough money? PNC you know? Park. You got to name a stadium after toilet paper or Coca-Cola? Yeah. Yeah, you do. It's America. Yeah, I guess. Love it or leave it, Mike. All right. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. Cotex Arena. Cotex Arena? I'm just kidding. What would you... Boy. I can just be t- a bad nickname for that stadium. I can just tell you this, Randall. My college <laughs> team plays in Spartan Stadium, not some dump named after a pizza. That's because no self-respecting company <laughs> would, be would be a sponsor of Michigan State <laughs> Athletics. Be that as it may. <laughs> kidding me <laughs> be that as it may you left that one hanging there i did all right steelers Bengals sunday big game hopefully we're back here monday talking about a brand new season for the black and gold frank's in for michelle next the biggin it's a biggin i'm finished you stay classy pittsburgh don't touch your face i got him dead pittsburgh all day baby for now you guys call me ronald would you not eat my pants ronald ah! mm-hmm.